right. Hi, I'm Sparks Woody. It's time for the Fake Nerd Podcast, episode 307, Little Nemo and the Adventures in the Strange World. Uh, we're all here together to have another wonderful conversation, just the four of us, and it's me and Ryan Eliopoulos drinking uh, Nothing. imaginary liquid. I'm drinking Strange Brew. Look at that. I'll be going to. Uh, Brandon T. McClure, of course. Hello. Hi, I'm here as well. And uh, it wouldn't be a show without Ben Magnet, so he's here too. Yep, I- I'm here, although I think I forgot something in Silverland. I'm going to have to pick that up later. No, no, wake up. Ben. What? Wake up. <laughs> All right, guys. Hi, everyone. I hope you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Not so much you guys, but the audience. Uh, but I also do hope you guys had a, had a, had a wonderful Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know what? I did. I had a lovely food day. I saw your spread. I saw I, I, a little little inside baseball. I saw I saw too much. You too definitely much. we definitely had one, maybe two, too many sides. Oh my god, <laughs> that fridge is too full. I had turkey for like three days straight, and I want to die. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the worst worst feelings to have. Sure. Uh, yeah. I'm. I'm personally. Personally, I never like Thanksgiving, and I'm grateful that this one is over specifically. Personally, personally, if the holiday isn't called Christmas, Brandon thinks that it should die in a fire. Yeah, so, I don't like Christmas either. That's not what I heard. <laughs> yeah, that's not true. That's not I true. Used to. I you used to pull out a Christmas candy to eat. I I used to like Christmas a lot. I I used to be really into Christmas. I don't know why we're talking about this. Whatever. Uh, we have a short episode today, so we get to vamp a little. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I used to really like Christmas, and then I realized, you know, my Christmases have genuinely sucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was just kind of like, you know what? All holidays are just inconvenient messes right now. That said, I like celebrating with you guys for our holiday annuals. Well, there you go. There See, you we go. don't technically need a holiday to do that. We can just put episodes out and just say, hey, here's something we could do. Here's a celebration. Here's a celebration, a Star Wars yeah. celebration. Like every, every day with you guys is a celebration every kiss begins okay uh he went to jared that's not right um no that's right that's right that's no i know but it doesn't it doesn't work um okay anyway yes so i hope you guys had a wonderful thanksgiving um thank you very much for coming back uh you know kind of good news bad news situation here this is one of the final episodes of the mainline podcast now that is not saying we're going away obviously if you long-time listeners will know that even during the holiday season, when we are uh, uh, technically, when this show is on a hiatus, we still like to put out some stuff. Um, I want to clarify real quick. Brandon said final episodes of the Mainline Podcast and did not say of the year. <laughs> of, <laughs> the year. of the year. <laughs> of the year. Thank you. Look, I just had a six hour drive from Monterey to LA today. So there you go. And I feel you. Mm. Hate it. Um, right. So. Yes, of the year. Um, there may be a final episode be- just before the hiatus. There may not be for the year. Um, we'll, it's kind of playing a lot of it by ear. If you haven't noticed, audience, like this year has not been a great, uh, a great one for the podcast, for us personally. Um, and we are just kind of eager for it to be over. Um, I have also have a vacation that is becoming more and more inconvenient as the year goes on. Um, but that said, we have plenty of stuff lined up for you guys that we are excited to do. Uh, so, you know, while we kind of like kick off the end of the year, we hope that you will uh, enjoy a lot of it. We hope that, uh, we can't and we can't wait for it. So there you go. Brandon says inconvenient, but I'm I, I don't know how inconvenient he felt when he sent us all the memo that he's like, I'm not upset. I'm simply skipping Christmas. 
I, I will not say bah humbug if you wish me a Merry Christmas on the podcast. Did but... you just Christmas with the cranks me? Yeah, I did. I can't be a part of this. You <laughs> bitch. You can't just throw Tim Allen in my face without telling me first. Okay? I don't like it. <laughs> you can't just throw Tim, Tim Allen, Allen at me without warning. But he can't throw Jamie Lee Curtis at you though, right? Oh, I love Jamie Lee. No, it balances out then. We're fine. Wait, is Danny DeVito in that movie? No. No, oh, Dan Aykroyd um, is. Man, not as good. Dan Aykroyd. Oh, Danny DeVito's in the one where him and Matthew Broderick are fighting over Christmas lights because he wants that's that one. A movie. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> I want my hospital scene from space. That is a yeah. that is a weird one because like I've none never, of the, I've never seen none it. of the family supports either of them. No. Oh, yeah? Like like it's just so clear that like the wives, the kids from like square one. Nobody's on board. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a good. That's a that's a true Christmas movie, man. Um, isn't it just? It's kind of. It's honestly kind of about how like these two families are kind of happen to be in each other's circles because of their feud and are like, hey, you guys want to do like these nice things for Christmas? And their things are ruining their Christmas. Mm. Is it good? It's okay. Okay, it's fine. I'll, I'll I'll give it a shot for for Devito though, for sure. Um, it's about it's as good as Christmas with the Cranks. What'd you say, Spark? Um, Sorry. I said you could have gotten better out of both of them, DeVito mm. and Broderick. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, yes, I, uh, oh, what a vacation. That was a tangent. Anyway. Kennewick plays DeVito's wife, which is interesting. Yes. That's the marriage great. I would watch. Okay, you're selling me on this movie. <laughs> Danny DeVito is in a, no, Matthew Broderick is in the skin tight skater suit. Yes. That's not, yeah. not as fun. If you said Danny DeVito in a skin tight suit, I'm like, I'll watch that. Anyway, so that said, again, we've got a lot of stuff. We we do have some. We do have stuff in the pipeline. But again, we just kind of want to get get out of the year unscathed. Um, but happy Thanksgiving, going into December. But we have stuff in the description for you guys to check out if you want. I will start with, uh, I will start with mine actually because Ben has a lot. So uh, what I I. Uh, public, there's two articles for me for Screen Rant. Um, a list ranking the top ten uh, uh, letter uh, on Letterbox uh, uh, stop motion films uh, that I was actually really happy to write. It was very, it was very, um, uh, what's the word? I, I what? Uh, uh, hmm. Easy. The word. No. Uh, well, it was, but uh, you know, when unexpected, unexpected. Mm, there you go. Because some of the entries up on that were the, the number one, especially like shocked me. And I was really, I was really, I really like it when it's the unexpected ones, because sometimes when I'm just like, oh, well, this is definitely going to be this way and this way and this way. Well, then it's, you know, it's whatever. It's kind of whatever. But um, the, the unexpected ones are fun, are more fun for me. And I, I, that's what this one was. So I enjoyed that. So you're telling me Nightmare Before Christmas isn't number one. It, that's true. That's cool. Um, and Kubo and the Two Strings is on that list. Made me very Good. happy. Good, because I love that movie. Um, and then the other one is ten holiday movies and a show. I'm not going to show uh, coming out this year uh, that people should check out. I found some pretty cool ones. There's this horror film coming to Shutter where the robotic Santa Claus is going to uh, like goes on a murderous rampage in a small town. Um, I thought that one looked kind of looked kind of fun. Obviously, Violent Night is on there. The Santa Clauses. Uh, you check that one out if you want. A robot murder. Did you just take the, the Santa Claus from Futurama and turn him into a movie? Oh, that's hell yeah. I, I guess so. It. I love but that. Set in the present. Oh, okay. Prequel. Cool. 
Ben. Yeah. You're a busy boy. I guess I am. Oh shit, you're right. I do have a lot of stuff in here today. You did not have a podcast episode of The End Dark this week. No, we took the week? we took the a week off for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, but you were on a show called The Leaders Podcast. I was, yes. Um, so The Leaders Podcast is a very cool podcast where it's a game show where they talk about games through a game show, essentially. Where it's a it's a trivia show, but they co- but they create different um types of um of games for this game show, and it's it was really fun. I had an absolute blast doing it. Very cool. So that's linked below, uh, as well as two basement arcade pause menus. Not two different episodes. One video and one audio. Uh, mm-hmm. You can find both of them linked below, depending on what your fancy is. Uh, that one is uh, Portland Retro Gaming Expo with Donnie G Retro, correct? Yep, that's just the two of us talking about um, his second experience, my first experience at uh, Portland at PRGE, which happened last October, which feels like so long ago now, to be honest. But yeah, um, we just we just like go through, we talk about the convention, talk about um, other conventions we've gone to, and it's de- definitely if you've never been if you've never been to PRG before, but you want to have like a sense of what it's like, definitely check out that episode. If you have but you missed out this year, definitely give it a listen. See what things they changed. See how it was different from years past. Because I know when I was talking to him, even though this was only his second time at the convention, this wasn't the this the convention itself was never in wasn't always I should say it wasn't always in the Oregon Convention Center, which is their big giant convention center in the city of Portland. It used to be held in like a Holiday Inn Convention Center in like a small hotel area, and then it just got so big, people moved. They moved it, and they were able to find space for it at the convention center. So, a lot of cons uh, start that way. They start in hotels because they they don't have a thousand people. They got fourteen people, right? And then it slowly yeah. just builds and builds until they can afford the bigger convention center. And it's cool. I always it's always cool to see those things branch out and get bigger. Mm-hmm. There's a book I saw at the comic book at my comic book store that I shop at. Um, and apparently they published recently, not the comic book store, but someone has published a book like detailing the early history of Comic-Con, how it started, like like Ryan said, in a small hotel, a small hotel lobby, uh, conference room, and then ballooned into what it is now. Uh, I'm sorry, just like talking about comic books about things made me mm-hmm. think of this. And I just, I don't know where else I would mention this. Um, I said, I got advertised to me because I was making like wish list stuff for people. On Amazon, um, a new Steve Martin book. And I was like, oh, that's nice. I'd like to add that to my list for later, but I'd like to get the audiobook book version because I like to hear Steve Martin actually say it. Yeah. And so I was going to go do that. And it, it had no audiobook version. I'm like, that's weird. And I'm like, why is it like this? And also, I was like, why was this recommended to me when I was looking at comics? Steve Martin has a comic, autobiographical hmm. comic book coming out. Very cool. Which, uh, cool. which I'm super stoked about. Now that um, that's keep an cool, eye out there, friends. That's fun. That's cool. That uh, man, I just love it when these prolific people they decided to buck the trend. Be like, I'm not going to do uh, a lame, a long, at that ten thousand plus word autobiography. I'm going to turn this shit into a comic book. That's going to be way more fun. You went again. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Was there something I missed? Uh, well, the only I guess the only thing I want to mention here is because the new. I got my new issue of Fusion Gaming Magazine. And the reason why I want to mention this is because where did you go? Where did you go? Shit. I, here it is. I My review of Cult of the Lamb is in it. What'd you give it? I gave it an 8 out of 10. Did you beat it? Not yet. 
<laughs> oh, Ben, you should have said yes. Even if it was a lie, you should have said yes. I'm not the final boss. No, I, you, you need to get to the final boss. Anyway. Okay. I, gave the, I gave the game an 8 out of 10. So, yeah, um, this is up. You can find this on the on FusionRetroBooks.com. It is issue 37. There you go. Look just in case. Look for the updated review when he beats the game. Um, uh, all right. It's, it's still going to stay the same. If yeah. you want to hear Ryan and I give Ben all his best pull quotes for it, um, you should check out the pause menu quarterly for the third quarter of this year where we talked a bunch about Cult of the Lamb. I actually wow. wrote that months ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It just now came out. That's really good. I love it. All right. That's all the links in the description below. Check them out if you want. We greatly appreciate all that. Who wants to go first with their week? I will. Okay. Do it. No, no, you almost never volunteer. Go for it. Shit. Okay. Um, I didn't do a whole lot this week. Uh, Media wise, but there are two big things media wise that I do want to talk about. And the first one I want to talk about has to deal with this boy down here who sent me a link to a video (gasps) or he sent he sent me a screenshot. Now this video is essentially a two hour documentary film about a certain sound from a video game called Roblox. You may have heard of it. If you haven't, it's the oof sound, the oof, something like that. So for about 30 minutes, it's about like how the, they got the sound and how where it came from and, and how it's a big thing. And then the rest of it turns into an hour and a half deep dive into the utter lies of one Tommy Tallarico. And holy shit. It's a good video, ain't it? That is a film, my guy. Um, that that is. I watch, uh, I watch so much on YouTube. Like there are just so many. They are just they are just filmmakers on YouTube. Like I, it's unfair to call them YouTubers anymore because the amount of effort. Like H Bomber guy, the video you're talking about, he mm-hmm. makes like two videos a year, and they're each one to three hours long, and they're just the most in depth, like like most meticulously made things you will ever watch. I'm just like, like it's incredible what you can do on YouTube. I'm not going to lie. It did take me a little bit because it took me a few days because I watched like 30 minutes here, 20 minutes here, 40 minutes there. But the entire time I'm watching this video, because I knew of Tommy Tallarico because I listened to um, I listened to the CU podcast. I listened to a bunch of other people have mentioned him in the past. And for those of you who do not know, his main claim to fame is that he was a video game composer back in the early 90s. He composed Earth Room Gym. He did the music for it. In today's day and age, he is now known as the former president and CEO of the Intellivision Corporation, and he is also the man responsible, or one of the men responsible, for the Intellivision Amico's complete nosedive into scam territory. Did we? Did um, we also talk about this on quarterly? We talked. We talked, we talked about it on the quarterly. Yeah, this is the quarter two for this year. Yeah, yeah those quarterly yeah, are really paying off, aren't they? <laughs> yes, they are. But that's it. Yeah, if you want to know more about that, check out the Base Market Quarterly uh, Quarterly Two. However. It's not just the fact this man, I knew he was a liar. I knew the man loves to lie a bunch of things. I'm watching this video and I'm sitting there thinking there's got to be some inkling of truth, some inkling of truth to whatever this man is saying. There's not everything. Almost everything is a fabrication. Everything is him trying to make himself to be larger than life. And it is absolutely insane. It just like every, the evidence that um, H bomber guy, puts on it's like this man is a pathological liar this man has done x y and z like the one time where i thought okay cool he's won a bunch of music awards from this one group that's awesome they, they actually do good work they put a bunch of music archives online that's cool 
Then, okay, yeah, that's neat. That's neat. Oh, shit. He founded it. He gave himself a pat on the back and gave him all those. He gave himself all those rewards or yeah, awards. He gave rewards. It's it's so juicy. It is. My favorite thing about that video is like I was the first American to ever work on a Sonic on a Sonic property. I almost <laughs> spit out my drink when he when I saw that because I'm I was like. Man. Seriously, the second he's like, I'm the first American to work on Sonic the Hedgehog, I'm sitting here going, uh, no, the, excuse me, sorry, Brandon, language warning, but, uh, uh, no, the fuck you did not. A little E just pops up in the side screen. <laughs> For a second. I, I, it, it, is, it is insane. It is shocking that someone would get into the positions of power with such moves like that. I Could you even imagine if a head of a major company, I don't know, Disney, ever was like a huge liar? <laughs> who didn't uh, do right. I mean, obviously, Tommy Tallarico is, like, way more pathological, but... Yeah. Uh, it's it didn't sink $44 billion into a, into an $18 billion social media so account. Mm. Everything's coming up. Millhouse. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, the, it's... So, for those in the... It, it's... The video itself, it's... Even H Bomber guy is talking about how he wanted to stop diving into these rabbit holes about Tommy. And it went from the Roblox oof where it showed up because it showed up into an in it from another game called Messiah. And it and it connected it because Tommy was trying to sue the people of Roblox because according to Tommy, Roblox became popular because of a sound effect. Not what actually happened. Roblox was already popular, and this was a fun little sound effect that just happened to be in the game. It's like someone said, I made the Super Mario Brothers a uh, coin chime, and it, the game is popular because of that one coin chime. It's like, uh, no? He's trying to grasp. What? It, it, he's, he's, an, he's an old guy trying to grasp onto any celebrity that he can. Uh, and it's just like, in this day and age, like when you lie this hard, bro, it's, it's 2022. We can check facts. It's not like yeah. in the 80s where like, you just have to take people on their word and shit. Like, no, we can look this shit up. We know. I listened to an interview that he did with another YouTube with another YouTuber. Um, this was back. In, I want to say back in early 2021, where the Miko was supposed to come out in October that year. The, the interview took place. I want to say in either August or July. And the interviewer wasn't the type of person to be like, he wasn't essentially like trying to give Tommy all the, the spotlight. He wasn't like praising him the entire time. He was actually asking him hard questions and Tommy was getting very defensive about it. And then it wasn't, it was past that where Tommy would only go on shows where people would just eat up his lies. They would praise him. Brown and he, he was the type of person to, and even on when he was still the CEO of Intellivision, he would only answer back like Facebook posts from people who were praising him. He would not respond back with to criticism. He wouldn't answer hard questions. He wouldn't do any of that shit. So, and now that he's out as, um, I, I know he's not a CEO. I don't know if he has any involvement with the company of Intellivision at all. The fact that he bought it from the guy after, from the guy who originally owned the brand after he passed away, just felt super scummy to me. It's like, yeah. wow, you suck. Yeah, he's a bad boy. <sighs> yeah. So that was like the big thing I want to talk about because Ryan told me about this, and we were talking about it when I was at Disneyland a few weeks ago. I was like, man, this is nuts. What's going to happen here? And I did not expect the level of uh, rabbit holes I was falling through through that one video. Yeah. Uh yeah, the first 30 minutes are about Roblox. So then it goes, now let's talk about Tommy Tallarico for an hour and a half. And I'm like, oh, I got to tell Ben about this. Yep. Uh, he's going to love it. Yeah, it's it's an incredible video. It is. It is. And the other big media thing I did this week, um, performance issues be damned. I'm having a blast with Pokemon Scarlet. Hang on. Real quickly. About that. 
Okay, so the 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 thing that I'm seeing a lot of people riding on the mm-hmm. new legendary Pokemon with wheels on its chest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It 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 runs with feet. That it's one got of wheels them. on its chest. The Listen, one the one I have does yes. Yeah, they really goofed up on. Hey, we got a motorcycle Pokemon. Let's 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 make him use his legs. <laughs> it's got wheels on its chest. He yeah. does. He does. Yeah. Can make him a like what's going on. Uh, the one in Violet, he's an actual motorcycle, but yeah, the one in Scarlet, he's just like, I'm gonna run on my legs because that's why I'm buying Violet. Violet. That's why I'll play Violet. Like, I give me a motorcycle. What are we doing? It's like it's like going out of your way to buy Heelys and then refusing to ever pop those wheelies. That's disgusting. <laughs> You're right. That's awful. Oh that man. Yeah. I'm sorry, Ben. I just I've been no. seeing a lot of clips. I'm like, you why? No, no from, it's, from the trailers. As well, we were like, "Oh, cool! There's a motorcycle one." Wait, the other one looks just like it. Why is he running? It, yeah, it's been baffling for months. Fascinating. Yeah, uh, you're not wrong, Brandon. It's true because that's what my because I got Scarlet and the Coridon, the legendary Pokemon, where who runs? That's what he does. Because even though it's like you have wheels, I can see your wheels. Um, but yeah, well, I can see your wheels. <laughs> other than other than that, yes, the performance issues are still there. Yes, there are times the game looks choppy, but this is, I would say Scarlet and Violet's saving grace is the gameplay. There is still so much you can do. Not Instead of just going out there and catching wild Pokemon, you can, I love how there's like three different main story arcs you can go to. You can do the gym battles if you're a try and true. You can go and fight these giant titans where you have to hunt them down in the wild. And also there's a storyline there that introduces, I don't want to spoil it, but it's essentially like, uh, it pulls out your heartstrings. And you can also like go after the, te- the the team star, which is the team rocket stand-in for this generation. And even outside of those storylines, there's also like, oh, I can go to this area. I haven't explored this area. Let's let me see what type of Pokemon over here. Oh, there's a bunch of these um, crystal raids that I can go do. I can get a bunch of good experience points. I can catch new Pokemon I haven't caught before. I haven't done any of the online stuff just yet, but every time I load up Pokemon Scarlet, it's it's a game where there's like a bunch of stuff for me to do, but at the same time, it's like now I could, I could, I'm, it's easy for me to methodically plan of what I personally want to do next. And then for like, it's like, okay, cool. I'm going to go over here. And then next thing I know, I wasted 40 minutes just exploring this one area, trying to find a certain Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. The performance issues, they are a thing. It's def it's definitely um, a major factor, but this entire week, every time I've come home from work or when I've had a moment of to relax, I think to myself, I really want to play Pokemon some more. It's that's a good sign still. That, that's a, that, yeah. that is a good game. That's unfortunately yeah. probably came out too early. Yeah. Yeah. It, I will, I mean, look, I will not try to um, argue against the, the performance issues. Cause there, I'm there many times where I'm playing it. I just go, Yee! or, uh, or I'm just like, damn, why is it clipping in the wall? But the, this is one prime example of performance issues. Yes. Gameplay is saving it. The gameplay is saving it. It makes me want to continuously come back and play. So there's, I've seen a bunch of people uh, fall in love with basically, there's a girl who's just Goku in this game where she's just like, hey, what's up? I love fighting. I'm really cool. And I'm yeah, like, I know who you're talking about. And I'm like, she seems really fun. I'd like to, I'd like to know her. Yeah, they're, yeah, they, they, they've done some good stuff with this gen- story. Story wise, they've done good things. The gameplay, they've definitely done good things with it. Um, is there a voice acting? Yes. Nope, no voice acted. I was just wondering if this was the one, but not yet. No, not yet. But other than that, it's still really fun to play. It really is. So, 
that's a, that's oh. that's a really good sign because this is still the, the Pokemon game I really want to play. I like the I like the idea that they haven't done voice acting yet, and I'm just like, well, Pokemon will catch up eventually. And fun fact. <laughs> so fun fact in Sword and Shield, and I even want to say Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl in the Switch games, they put in Pikachu's voice actress into the game. Because before, oh, like when Pikachu was first announced, it was just like the simple the the chip tunes that the Pokemon cry from the chip tunes. They re-put the chiptunes back into this game. It's that you don't you no longer hear Pikachu anymore. In the in this game? Yeah, in this game. Oh, I caught two awesome. of them. I, know I caught two. They took out the voice actor. You don't hear the regular Pikachu anymore. I mean, I don't like that they removed that, but I like that they went back to like the like the old school like the brr, brr, like I that's awesome. I'm a big yep. fan of that. Um we're just talking like main Pokemon games for voice acting, not side stuff. Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah I just oh, want yeah. to clarify. Oh yeah. Uh, real quickly, Ben. The, the 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 Pokemon that comes out of the ground that's just a head. Diglett. What's that name? Diglett. Diglett. There's two. There's two of them. Uh, there's Diglett, and then the new one is Wiglet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, See, excuse me. There's also Doug Trio. So okay. So so the 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 what was the one the dig the Diglett the Diglett. Diglett. No, the other one. The one that's for the stream. Wiglet. Wiglet. Okay. So I wrote down while you were talking about it because I was reminded of this. I don't know why I'm saying this. I was reminded of the video of the one that, is, that was in the crotch. Yep. The, the, the glitch we talked about it last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah. wrote down. I wrote down. They should have called it Donglet. <laughs> and I just wanted to say that because I was proud of it. That's 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 the midnight release version. That's a poke. Um, that's a poke. You penis. know, <laughs> a poke. <penis. laughs> uh, we have fun here. Oh my god! I'll write that down. Just wait till you find the te- just wait till you see the tentacle that walks on on the tentacles. Oh, it's a different type of porn. <laughs> we should move on this. But yeah, I, I'm I'm done with my week. It was just, it was watching that two hour video about Tommy Tallarico and and uh, oof, and then going back to play Pokemon. Love it. Cool. Who next? I'll go. I watched Knives Out again. It's still great. It's great. I don't have anything more to tell you. I also did that. I watched Glass Onion. Hey, it's great too. If you can see it in theaters, do it. It's coming out on Netflix December 23rd. Awesome. That's all I'm going to say right now because we'll talk about it at a later date. I watched the Guardians holiday special. It's great. That's all I'm going to say about it because I'll talk about it at a later date. Also, I did that. That's my week. (laughs) All right, I'll go now. Uh, I beat God of War last week. Uh, I beat it at, I think, 28 hours. And then I started to do some cool... Uh, cleanup stuff because you know in big open world games especially modern open world games if you beat a game there's still stuff you can do afterward uh god of war ragnarok has the most substantial post game i've ever seen in a video game i played for another 10 hours of of that game doing old stuff and new stuff um and it's important stuff it is it is if you stop playing that game and you beat the game you are fundamentally missing the actual endings of the game um it's actually it's 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 almost baffling how much content there is after the game uh, I won't go any more into that just because, like, I don't want to even spoil what potentially is there. It's incredible. I know. I'm sure, Brandon, you're. I'm guessing you're. You're doing some of that stuff now. I haven't started yet okay. because I just. I just beat it when I when I went home for Thanksgiving. But gotcha. t- okay, tonight, gotcha. I'm planning on it. Gotcha. So, um, so I now, I'm now done with God of War. Uh, uh, I might when they eventually add New Game Plus. Uh, I might go back again. Uh, because I just I want to replay the game with everything that they give you, because I, uh. Once you get to the end of that game, I want to play more of it, but then it kind of ends. And I'm like, 
well, no, I can just do this from the beginning and then it'll be like a really as good as game. Not that it's not. Um, so yeah, God of War is great. Um, I, oh, the other thing I did was I read lots of comics. Uh, like last month, I picked up the rest of the comics. Um, I picked up stuff, I picked up Judgment when I lived in Monterey uh, and I read some of those comics, uh, but I, it wasn't done yet. So with Marvel Unlimited, uh, another website, uh, I read the rest I, I don't. I got. I don't got money right now. Right? I buy enough comics. You, you, you can relax. Uh, I. I finished. I read every, every single issue of Judgment and all the tie-ins. Um, that's six issues, and then it's like literally like twenty something other issues that almost all are written by Karen Gillan. Um, otherwise, like you know, X Men's written by Jerry Duggan, X Men Red, stuff like that. Uh, holy shit, y'all! Like that is. It is such an incredible event. It is. It is, it is the type of thing you want every event to be. It is it is status quo breaking. It is emotional. The the action is epic. You feel things are actually happening in the Marvel Universe. Uh, the post post game, the the, the post uh, uh, story of what happens after the big event happens, uh, like we're the status quo of the X Men, the Avengers, the Eternals, um, the supervillain organizations like Orcus, where they are in the world is completely flipped, um, and it is so exciting leading up into Sins of Sinister. Um, I haven't been this thrilled with a Marvel event. I mean, Empire came out a couple years ago, but like, this is this is better than that. I love that event. Um, if you guys can, I... Ha- was Empire top of last year? It might have been last year. I oh. think so, because I think I was considering it for my top 10. Then yeah, it might have been early last year. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Time, times, times are late with this pandemic. Um, but yeah, um, this is certainly... This might be my favorite event since Secret Wars, which was six years ago. Um, it's, it's just insane. And it's so, I, it, my favorite thing about comics is like when they can be so big in scale, but it's still all about like the small personal stories. And that's what this entire event is. It is, it's about God judging the entire earth and how every single person is being judged, whether you can live or die. Uh, and you see every individual story of the Avengers and how they are being judged and how their inner conflict is like, how do you feel being judged about your life and what you've done with your life? And it's hardcore shit. Uh, especially with Jean Grey and her destroying an entire planet as as the Phoenix, that is such an incredible issue. Um, I I am just like it made me like fall in love with comics again. Like I put it on Twitter, like I love comics, but like this is one of those things where I'm like, this is why I read comic books. This is the shit. And I, I like I need DC to do something like this soon because I their events. I don't know the last event I read at DC is that I was like blown away by. Um, definitely the last couple of years. Um, I just uh, uh, Kieran Gillen is such such a talent. Yeah, a lot of a lot of DC's like strongest event stuff that it contains a lot of the characters has been outside of canon yeah 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 and like i like <clears> like the, the death metals and whatever but like th- this like judgment day is just like man when you have when you have a company firing on all cylinders all the creative teams working together uh it feels like it feels like an x-men event i mean it, sorry it is an x-men event but it's it's a whole world event because like as opposed to x of swords which is just x-men this is the avengers this is there's an iron fist tie-in issue that's important and there's a new Iron Fist that nobody that like that you guys don't know about. It's a new, it's a new young Iron Fist, and he's got like a he's got like a whole new dynamic. And I'm like, this is this is you give me something good and I'll read it. It's incredible. It's like it's like the Swordsman issue. Mm-hmm. It's like what, you you'd be surprised what's if you just give yourself a uh, open yourself up to chances like what's good. Yeah, like nobody nobody went into Empire thinking it was going to be a hot event. No, it, and that book is radical. Uh, yeah, about all of its tie-ins would be good. Yeah. Um, and again, like Kieran mm-hmm. Gillen, Al Ewing, Ramvi, like all these dudes. Uh, I'll give Jared Dev some credit because he's writing X Men too. Um, they are just so working together so well, um, and the art, the Judgment uh, uh, main book uh, by uh, Valero Skeedy, his art is insane. 
it's like you guys remember Pepe Larraz's art from X of Swords and like House of X. It's like it's like it's that good. It's incredible. I posted some stuff on on Instagram about it. Like Magneto dies and he stays alive for days using his magnetism powers and Storm electrocuting him so his blood can circulate blood while he doesn't have a heart. He's walking around with a, an electric heart for, for a day. It's the most insane, cool thing I've ever seen in a comic. It's and it's so brutal and heartfelt. And I'm just like, oh, I love comics. And it'll it'll it will be on my top ten. And this top this year is going to be. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to know what I'm going to do with this top ten. It's too good. This year is so good. I think I think we can. You know, you and I have talked about this. I think we can start calling it the top fifteen because they ain't going to stop at ten for anybody. Because this I don't want to. I don't want to like. I would feel bad saying like this is honorable mention. Yeah, we like, can't. We can't sit through forty honorable mentions with. Because like, yeah, uh, yeah, judgment just blew my socks off. Loved it. I am just real quickly inside baseball about that. I'm okay with doing the top 15. I do know I will probably struggle with that because I have not had the hot year that you guys have had. I'm really happy that you guys have had that year. I haven't. Everything um, this year, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's Maybe me though. Try to read some comics that you haven't read and then you can put them on there. That's that's me though. I'm not talking, I'm not saying yeah. that, that you guys, that, that not for you guys. <clears throat> you were also talking about, uh, uh, the last time we were blown away by like a DC event and like, you know, I think metal is good. That was the last event I read. Um, I like death metal. I didn't read dark Christ on infinite earth. There's nothing that DC has put out in the last, however many years, frankly, yeah. that matches the level of excitement that I hear coming from you about judgment. And that's a real shame that DC just can't really match that and, or, or refuses to try. Yeah, um, I mean, Dark Crisis is their big event right now, but by all accounts, it's, it's uh, by all accounts. It's not I mean, that's the thing right there, right? Like, it's not for lack of trying. They keep trying events, and none of them are making any any kind of headway. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm just like, hopefully, the this new Does dawn any, of DC is will. It, is it know. happening right now, or did it finish already? The the Flash event, where each no, that's next. Like, that's next. That's next year. It's next year. Oh, that yeah, Flash the, event might be the Minute War. Yeah, yeah, I am interested in that for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's might January. that might do it. That, that might be a good one. Yeah, it's true. Hopefully, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that's January, but I could be yeah. wrong. I thought so too, but I wanted to be sure. Yeah, I thank you for reminding me that. Yeah, uh, I am super interested in that one. But that is also, it seems like just a flash event, whereas Judgment is the entire universe. Is it's you're right, you're right. But I mean, like even then, if that can blow you away, I'll take it. <laughs> Honestly, at this point with DC, I will take it. Yeah. And that's all right. You good, good. then? All right, just checking. Uh, anything else, Ryan, or should I go? No, just y'all, man. If you like comic books, you should check out Judgment. It's uh, especially got Marvel Unlimited. It's almost all on there now. That's beautiful. As Ryan mentioned, he beat God of War. I beat God of War. Um, I have not started to do the post game stuff. I really wanted to beat it before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Not Christmas. Um, well, I did, but like Thanksgiving because I didn't want to spend the whole Thanksgiving weekend being like, oh, I want to play God of War. Um, Really like that game. No surprise. I'm not going to talk a whole lot about it, especially like plot stuff. I'm not going to get into because we will have a review special for it in the in the new year uh, when more of us have gotten a chance to play it. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I love the gameplay. It's a lot of fun. I really like the tr- the turns the story takes, and I really like all much like the first game. I really like the interpretation of North mythology. I think it is really well handled. I think it's really smartly handled. Um, there are. Uh, and uh, uh, we've mentioned it before, Richard Schiff is Odin, and he is so unorthodox for that decision, especially considering the last king of the gods they picked, which was for Zeus. Yeah. Um, he's fantastic as Odin. Uh, Richard Schiff, 
delivers a, a great performance. Yeah, he's, I love this real quick, like, without, like, you've seen the trailers, so, like, this isn't spoiling, like, really anything, but, like, he is not Odin from Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm -mm. He, he, he's like a, he's like a card shark. Yeah. He's like, he's like a gangster. It's, it's, it's an interpretation of the whole, of the whole, the, the whole family of Odin that I'm just like, this is so different and it works on, it works so well. Uh, I, I love, I, I love that stuff. Yeah. I was very happy with that game. Uh, I can't wait to talk about more with you guys. Um, let's see. I watched two movies this week. Um, we watched Devotion, which is the new Jonathan Majors movie mm -hmm. uh, that came out, I believe, this week. Um, very good. Uh, Glenn Powell, Jonathan Majors. Uh, we've talked about the trailer, I believe, when it first came out. Uh, probably the second trailer, I don't recall. Um, there's a really cool shot. Probably one of my favorite shots of the year, quite honestly. Like, there's a really cool camera camera move that they do in, the, in this movie. And I was like, holy shit. Like, it was like, like wide eye, like, holy shit um i i really enjoyed it jonathan majors is great hell yeah i didn't realize it was about the korean war the korean war was a war that my dad served in uh -huh. and that's kind of the theme of this weekend because i also watched the christmas story christmas now you don't now i chose that movie i was like okay let's watch a christmas story christmas my family loves a christmas story we've have it on there's the 24-hour marathon on tbs every year and we put that on who's seen a christmas story i feel Really? Just, just Ryan? That's not, not even once. I don't even like. I'm, I don't like Christmas, and I've seen it. That's crazy. I feel like I've osmosed that entire film into my brain that I have never felt the need to. You might have. I think uh, I might. Ben, I'm surprised you haven't seen it. <laughs> really, of all the movies I've never seen, you're surprised by a Christmas well, Story. It's just, that's just like one of those kids' movies that like families put on like when they want to shut the kids up. Like that's just like literally 24 yeah. hours. A day, 20, 24 hours from from Christmas, uh, midnight to midnight. It is it is on TBS. I'll, I'm I'll shocked. It, I'll, I'll put it this way: like both my parents love movies. Neither of them have ever wanted to watch a Christmas story. So look, I, that, I, I think they've seen it. I don't think they liked it. That's fine. I'm not. I I figured you hadn't seen it. Frankly, I I'm shocked that Ben hasn't seen it. Now the other thing I'll say is it's not very good. I'm sick of it. Um, I, do, I personally do not like it because we watch it every year for Christmas. It's a fine movie. It's a fine movie. So I was thinking my family loves this movie. So let's watch A Christmas Story Christmas. That'll be We've gone through all my dad's stuff. My dad passed away recently. So let's let's go through all of his stuff. Heavy day. Let's watch this movie. Have a good time at night. Peter Billingsley has a line. By the way, cool to see him with hair. The last time I saw him, he didn't have hair in Spider-Man Far From Home. Good for him. Um, we had, uh, he has this line where he's like, uh, we'll put up the Christmas ornaments when grandma and grandpa show up. And I'm like, because he's talking to his kids. And I'm like, wait a second, that's weird. The the guy who plays the father passed away in 2006. And then the story ends up being about how the dad just died on Christmas. And then now Peter Billingsley has to learn how to go forward with his life without his father. And I'm like, are you effing kidding me? That's a real movie right there, man. It's written by Peter Billingsley. It's that that is a baffling way to start a Christmas movie. Um ultimately the movie is fine. It is just I would honestly I would honestly say it's exactly as good as the first movie. Mm -hmm. 
So if you like the first movie or if you think the first movie is fine, you will get the same amount of enjoyment here. It's got a lot of the same gags. It's got uh, uh, charming, char charming writing. Uh, it feels very much in tone with the original. But it was wild <laughs> being forced with being faced with this with this movie. And it was just like, how would you make a Christmas movie about this? Anyway, it's fine. Um, neither I, Ben or Sparks, you probably have no desire to see it. But you know, Ryan, if you want to check it out, I'm not. <laughs> So. All right. like, honestly real talk like christmas movies have to be like above better for me to even want to consider watching them like for, like klaus like, like like what was that like klaus i was literally gonna say like klaus like that's that might be my favorite christmas movie uh that's a real good one yeah because that's, that's, that's a great that's movie some, that's some top tier shit but yeah that's a, like, that's a really good movie like there, there's christmas there's christmas movies that i'll watch just for nostalgia's sake um uh, like, that's I why love... i'm so baffled you haven't seen a christmas story i'm sorry <laughs> like okay the stuff that my parents would put me on to sh would put on to shut my brother and i up would be the um the christmas eve the claymation films the yeah, rudolph sure. the red-nosed reindeer rankin. santa claus is coming to town yeah rankin bass which we talked about that a little one. while yeah. ago yeah those yeah those were the ones my parents would put my brother would put would sit me yeah. and my brother in front of to shut us up while they worked on the turkey for the following day Super christmas day for those, yeah yeah christmas day all bets are off um I yeah. will say, I will say, Peter Billingsley, good actor. The guy doesn't do a lot of acting, and I think he's pretty good. I don't think he's great. Like he's got, he's definitely got some, some like rust to work off. But he's pretty fun, and I think that like he's got the cameos in the in the Marvel films, uh, the first one in Iron Man and the second one in Spider Man Far From Home. He's fun. I think he, I think we got. I think he could start doing more acting, and he'd be pretty good. I, I would like to see him do other movies, frankly. Mm -hmm. Ooh, damn it, <laughs> Mag. Hey, damn it, Mag. Oh, the Hey Arnold Christmas episode is my top tier. That yeah, is, I remember that. That is some good shit right there. That is, <laughs> so that is hey, let's talk to kids who have no idea really about the Vietnam War. About the <laughs> Vietnam War. And then, oh, like when Helga actually gets her boots and she gives them. Mm. All right, anyway. So that's, that's, that's real quick because we were talking about christmas story and i'm like why do i know the whole story of christmas story and i realized this is just fun i realized what it was is that like obviously like a lot of the, the main things have just kind of been talked about or referenced Leg or joked about um all that kind of stuff but i put all those pieces into a narrative in my brain once i saw the um 30 seconds with bunnies version oh my god yeah they did a christmas story and i did watch that because i watched all of those and that was the only film they ever did i think that i didn't see you poke your eye and out. i put the mm -hmm, you put your eye out. like i put all of it together tongue on the thing based off of that triple dog dare you so i am not shocked ben hasn't seen it when ben hadn't seen ghostbusters until we showed it to him <laughs> that's right it forced me to sit down and watch that one <laughs> i i i just i had a horrible week and those movies didn't make it any better. Good movies, fine movies, but that's unexpected. Not. Yeah, 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 unexpected. All right, so I uh, decided recently to get back into Doctor Who in a, and not just a little way, but a big way. And this was a mistake. The farting car is outside. Um, that was a big mistake because, guys, I'm starting to go down a big finish rabbit hole. For those of you who don't know, big finish is the audio plays for Doctor Who. Basically, it's the Doctor Who retirement plan. Once you stop being the doctor, you go to big finish and you keep being the doctor. So 
I've been listening to the Eighth Doctor ones. I was deciding to, to strictly keep it to the Eighth Doctor ones, specifically the ones that are available on Spotify. So I'll talk about that real quick. I I listened. I finished the most recent one I was talking about last week, which was the Chimes of Midnight, and I really liked that episode. I thought that episode was excellent. Um, the it's the murder mystery one where this girl Edith, who's a scullery maid in this house, uh, gets murdered. But everyone's trying to say it's a suicide, but then they find out it's a time loop. This girl keeps dying at ten at ten p.m. and then by midnight the time loop goes back to ten p.m. But at eleven, someone else is killed and it's random each time. The doctor is playing this role is is forced to play this role of the inspector trying to solve this murder, but he can't because the house is sentient and doesn't want the murder solved because every time so the house murders, it gains more sentient. I yes. love God. I love a good sentient house story. They're <laughs> always they're always great. The reveal is incredible. Um, basically, not to give too much away, I don't know how often how, I don't know how likely is you guys are going to listen to this. Um, I have most of the Paul McGann audio adventures, so don't ease off the gas a little. Also, just for the listeners too, maybe. But the 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 reveal was so excellent and tiny wimey and very much like paradox inducing and and um. I think Paul McGann, Paul McGann is great as the doctor. I really like him as the doctor. Uh, I've all, I've often talked about how he's he's probably my favorite doctor. Um, and, and the girl who plays Charlie is really is really fun. She's the companion. Just it was it was great. It was really great. Like I cannot I cannot sing the praises of this one. And like I've liked all the other ones that I've listened to. I've really enjoyed a lot of them. Uh, this is only the seventh one I've gone through in order. But like, man, this one really like knocked my socks off. I thought this one was 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 really really good. Hell yeah, that's awesome. So that'll be that. I so okay. So I highly recommend that uh, if you don't listen to any Doctor Who audio adventures, I highly recommend listening to the Chimes of Midnight. It is available for free on on Spotify. You can you can listen to it on Spotify. God, I love Spotify. They have so many free audio, like like the Marvel ones, the Batman ones, like uh, the Doctor Who's. Like they they got them all for free, baby. It's great. Now they don't have all they don't have all of Doctor Who. There seems to be a point where Big Finish stopped putting their stuff on. Audio. There seems mm. to be a point where Big Finish decides to put their stuff on on Spotify. Like it's it's old enough that they'll put it on Spotify, get people to listen to it. Like a, like a Marvel Unlimited type thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, kind of like that. I don't know where that point is yet. I haven't hit it, but I'm hoping I don't hit it soon. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh, so there's still more Doctor Who. Uh, there's still more Paul McGann Doctor Who stuff. Like there's stuff with the Time War. Anyway, I went down Big Finish rabbit hole because I start because I went down the the Big Finish website and Big Finish has the War Doctor with Derek Jacoby uh, from the from the 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 one of the David Tennant seasons. I think season three. Um, the sorry, the War Master. I think I, I think I said the War Doctor. Uh, the War Master. Uh, which I think is a brilliant idea because we know that that man played the ma was the master during the time war. So like, oh hell yeah, that'd be that'd be, that'd be awesome. Uh, the Paul McGann has time war audio stuff because he doesn't regenerate until the until later into the time war into John Hurt. Thank you, Stephen Moffat, for making that a late entry into the time war. Um, but John Hurt did some audio stuff uh, as the War Doctor for the time war. I was like, oh, that's that's cool. And not only that, but like they have like War Doctor the beginning stuff where they don't have it's not John Hurt, it's someone who's it's a sound alike, but for like a younger John Hurt. Um, there's stuff coming out with like the Fugitive Doctor, which was introduced in the latest season of Doctor Who, um, the the Jerry Whitaker stuff. But um, 
So I'm going through this whole rabbit hole and I was like, you know what? I wonder if they have first doctor adventures because I kind of like the first doctor. I think he's kooky and weird and I want to know what they do. Yep. So David Bradley, for those of you who don't know, David Bradley played William Hurt, William Hartnell. Sorry, not William Hurt. Uh, William Hartnell, who played the first doctor. David Bradley played William Hartnell in a TV special called An Adventure in Space and Time, which was about the story of how Doctor Who was created for the BBC. And he's brilliant in it. It's a brilliant special. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend. Um, Peter Capaldi really liked that special and said and was asked what doctor he would like to meet the most. And he said, honestly, I would like to meet the first doctor the most. We just got David Bradley to play William Hartnell. Why don't we get him to play the first doctor? He said this at a Comic-Con. Stephen Moffat ran with that. And David Bradley eventually showed up as the first doctor on Doctor Who. And he's brilliant as it, at it. He showed up again recently. He's doing big finish as the yeah. first Doctor. They they recast the entire first Doctor companions. So Susan, his granddaughter, is recast. The Chester, Ch Ian Chesterton, and Barbara Wright, uh, they're recast. And they're they have I've the the first part is free on Big Finish. I listened to it on the way down, and it's brilliant. It's really cool to hear David Bradley, who I really like as the first doctor and you get these new first doctor adventures full cast audio plays with the first doctor i was like oh this is brilliant and and they introduce for the first time ever because the master the master was introduced with the third doctor the master had never been in doctor who until the third doctor showed up and they just introduced a first doctor master and i'm like brilliant that's a brilliant idea well done big finish hell yeah i'm in trouble <laughs> <laughs> no man it's a good it's a sometimes rabbit holes are good there is there's so much expensive <laughs> there is so much big finish stuff that i want to listen to um, he's, not um, he's like he's like tip of the icebergging it because like there's there's john barrowman uh torchwood and river song and stuff river song uh sarah jane they have uh, they have river song they have river song meeting past doctors Mm -hmm. That's cool. So they have her meeting Paul McGann and uh, Colin Baker and Tom Baker, I think. Um, they have multi-doctor adventures where all the living doctors team up and, and do an adventure together. Um, David Tennant and Paul McGann just teamed up for the Time Lord Victorious era, uh, which they did it like two years ago, I think, at this point. I think that um, was actually last year because you and I were talking about what is this. Yeah. Um, so and that and that was that's that man. I, I knew, I knew when Russell T. Davies was coming back for Doctor Who, I knew I was going to get bit, get back into Doctor Who. I did not expect it to be this big of a comeback into this it's very franchise. Because, because all it is is that you know he's coming back. It's You haven't even seen anything yet. You're right. <laughs> You're right. And I'm watching, I'm watching the news, I'm watching the seasons I missed. So I, we just started, a, we just started the next Capaldi season just earlier today. Doctor, um, Who, Doctor Who is tough because it is a like once you go past the shows, it is a steep and sliding slope into there are so many comics and so many books and so many audio adventures and like you'll you will just you could only consume Doctor Who forever. But that's like that's like that's like Warhammer. Yeah, like it is. There's you're, you're very there, right. there are literally like sixty books that's like the same story that's like still not done. I'm like I read. Two. I'm never. This is two of y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and the last thing I'll say about Doctor Who because like I don't have much to say about these big finished adventures because I've only I only listened to the two uh, to uh, this week. But 
I I'm gonna keep going, obviously. There is no there's frankly no other show like Doctor Who, and it's something I I didn't realize I missed. Doctor Who has a specific type of whimsy to it that no other show is replicating or even attempting to, frankly. Um, and I, not, nor should they. But it's really it's really cool that a show while Doctor Who does oftentimes try to kind of be more Hollywood, sometimes tries to be a little bit cooler than really it should be. Um, but there's a there's always a certain type of adventure, a certain type of whimsy to it that is so unique to the character of the Doctor, um, and that the fact that that carries on through all eras is really cool. And I'm really I'm actually honestly really happy to be back into the franchise. I I, I can't realize I missed to... it. I probably won't do any audiobook stuff, but I, I am really excited to get back into Doctor Who. Because, like, I thinking about, I think when it came to Netflix, like, a decade ago or longer, like, when I first got into Doctor Who and I started watching, like, like The Ninth Doctor and stuff, I'm like, back then, especially when I was, like, super filmmaker mode, I'm like, this is so freaking cheesy and goofy. <laughs> and, like, they know it. They know it. Like, they know they have a small budget. They don't care. Like, who cares if it doesn't look good? Like, <clears throat> it's, it's it's goofy sci-fi. Yeah. Um, and it's, you're right, Brandon, there isn't a lot of TV like that. And I don't, I don't necessarily think I need, like, lots of other things like it, but, like, it's also hard to do to, like, to make that tone work where it's not like, this is just shit. Like, it is a very <laughs> specific, like, Dr. T's done this for, like, what, 60 years at this point? Like, And it's, like, and, and, you know, to both its credit and its service, it's done both. It's yeah. been, wow, this is kind of bad. And, oh, this is actually amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it it's very much like, whether it's the shows or, truthfully, all the extended material, Doctor Who runs that capability of it's so loose with its doctors and so loose with how much you have to be bound to the, the character beat to beat moments of what's happening to the doctors. As long as you're getting the broad strokes of who they are, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. As long as you're not messing with like a specific major storyline element, you can tell any story at any point in any location with anything you want. Yeah. And that can be a great story or it can be a story. And you know what? There's so many of them. The ends don't really matter. You're like, ah, this isn't working. Drop it. There are literally thousands more yeah there's a there's an episode called the five doctors which was a celebration i think of like the 10th anniversary of doctor who um uh, where where the first five doctors meet up and william hartnell meets the master uh for the for the first time well it's not william hartnell he had passed away at this point but they recast the first doctor um and he's looking at the master and he's like oh who are you uh i don't recognize you and the master says oh you'll recognize me in a couple of years um so, like, that's a good example, of, uh, Sparks, of what you're talking about. Like, I'm listening to this audio thing where they're introducing a first Doctor Master. Um, and so it's like, well, yeah, it's, it's it, we can be loose with that continuity because, like, w that's just the kind of show that Doctor Who is allowed to be. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I got. Who wants to do news? I was like, we all went, but <laughs> let's do it again. Okay, we don't have a lot to talk about today, uh, which is fine for the holiday weekend. So, Blade. Yes! Start with Blade. So we talked a little bit about how Blade lost its director and writer. Uh, now it has gained new ones. Um, Jan Demange, who directed the first episode of Lovecraft Country, a show we all liked, oh, yeah. um, and a, a, a movie called White Boy Rick, among other things, um, will direct the movie. Great. Very excited about it. Ben, you still haven't seen Lovecraft Country, right? Nope. That's what I thought. Yeah. 
You'll you'll we'll make you watch at least the first episode one day because it's incredible. Michael Jonathan Majors yes. in that one. That is that is where the three of us became like, oh, oh. we love Jonathan Majors. <laughs> Uh, uh, then Michael Starbury will write the new script. Uh, he hasn't written anything that we are familiar with, but he has written movies, TV shows, things like that. Yeah, I'm looking at his filmography, and it, it is primarily like like uh, like black centered stories. Yeah. So it's like that that is awesome. You're bringing another black director, black writer. Like I'm, I'm glad for that. Um, these are both people with experience, and like man, Lovecraft Country. Like he didn't direct the whole season, but he set the tone for that season. That's what pilots do. They set the tone for what the whole show will be. So like. Uh, he he's the, he's one of the reasons Love Cup Country is so good because he set the precedent for what the show would be. Um, not to obviously disparage all the creators on that show, you know what I mean? Right. Um, Everybody on that show was firing. Yeah. Real well. Uh, so like I'm, I'm I'm really excited. I, I we need I need Blade. Come come to me, Blade. It is it is, it remains and as more time passes, it will will I think cement itself as maybe the most baffling way they teased him in a post-credit scene eternals yes <laughs> not not because he was there but i'll say because it. he was there no but like just because he's a voice yeah like you don't see him yeah it's it's like you have to go google that mm -hmm. you yeah. are you are like required if you are like even we weren't 1000 percent certain when we first heard it in the theaters that was mahershala ali and that means it was blade like we all we were all kind of like i think so but the fact that you have to Google it and have people explain it to you or talk about it is is wild. Like, why would you ever do that? And why wouldn't you just show him? And again, like, Blade has never. I've never. I haven't read every single Marvel comic. I've read a lot. Blade has nothing to do with the Eternals whatsoever or Wolf Black Knight. So, like, him being like, "Oh, I have a sword. Here's a sword guy." Like, I always thought that was such an such an odd choice, uh, especially for a character we're not going to see for years. Um, so at least I'm just glad it's it's they're not don't push it any farther. It really sounds like this is just speculation based on just the two seconds that he was there or the ethereally mm -hmm. that it it really felt like that it was just there to set up Midnight Suns. Like Blade was was hey hey Black Knight want to come to the Midnight Suns with me? Like that's Again, not what character who has nothing to do with that franchise, which is still yeah. Weird. It's 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 incredibly strange. So like. I don't know. I'm excited for this movie, though. I want this movie to be really good. I like this director. Go for it. Yeah, I'm ready for Mahershala to to uh, slide uphill with ice skates. Some mother effers always want to ice skate uphill. I think Kevin Feige's really, really smart. I'm beginning to question more and more if Nate Moore is not the best oh, the person also, behind the scenes of the MCU. I have also been questioning that. He's been talking a lot this week. Yeah, he's been he's been talking a lot lately, and almost all the time, I don't like what he says. Yeah, <laughs> how long has he been with this franchise? I wonder. Most for a while, time. most yeah. of the time. Yeah, I'd I never heard more. I never heard about him until recently. No, I think he's just been especially. We were definitely hearing about him around the Infinity War and Game Time. It's series. the it's the Disney Plus is where we're hearing more about him because he's involved with a lot of that stuff. Hmm. Yeah, I don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like a lot of the opinions he shared for sure. Yeah. All right, so last week we talked about Bob Iger being, having replaced Bob Chapek. Um, Robert Allen Iger has replaced Robert Allen Chapek. Coincidence? Probably. White people. White people. Um, so we have a little bit more details of some of the things that he's done. And, and, and yeah, anyway, uh, he's fired. So Bob Iger, one of his first decisions was to fire the head of Disney Media and Entertainment Distribution, DMED, uh, Kareem Daniel. This was apparently a Chapek uh, 
backed hire um, or promotion. Uh, and he was like one of Chapek's like staunch supporters. And so Iger said, no. Makes sense. I guess. Uh, uh, do you have more details about this? Um, I have some of the things they said. Okay. So real quick, um, Deadline did a really great report about Chapek's ousting and Iger's return. Um, that's out there. I mean, I think it has the most verified information that we have been given that we can't be given at this time about the situation. But one thing that we know is that JPEG was supposed to be at the Elton John final concert that was streaming. He backed out midday. Kareem Daniel left midway through when the news came out. Because um, uh, he knew that his ass was on the ouster. Um, one of the, the, the former DGEs uh, that had been with the company before JPEG came in and fired him was also at the concert with other Disney executives and he was just enjoying the show. <laughs> it's very funny how like blindsided some people were um mm. i think uh again that deadline reporting is pretty good so kareem daniel um uh we've attributed a lot of like budgetary issues with disney plus or the decisions to put some things on streaming or pixar being kept to streaming for longer than it should have without an option of theaters a lot of that the hand that dealt it was kareem daniel mm-hmm um, a lot of budget decisions for these projects, studio and streaming, mm-hmm. that was him. Um, so we know something's changing. Good, 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 good. Yeah, actually on that, uh, Iger pledged a restructure, uh, <clears throat> quote, that honors and respects creativity at the at, as the heart and soul of who we are. The anti-HBO. <laughs> or well, Warner Brothers. I mean, one of the things that we talked about a lot with like when Iger was leaving was that he had a really good rapport with creatives. Like he he knew to let creatives do their thing to an extent. Obviously, he's still he's still an executive and he's who needs to make money. But like he had a good working relationship with Kathleen Kennedy, with uh, Kevin Feige, with uh, who runs Pixar right now. Uh, Pete Doctor. Pete Doctor. Like he had a good working relationship with these people. Um, and he knew that they would deliver if that relationship was to be kept good. And Chapek soured a lot of those relationships, mm-hmm. and it, it showed in a lot of the, in a lot of the artwork that we've been getting. Um, so this is this is I'm I'm glad that that Iger specifically kind of said this because like it says we're gonna go back to where we were. We were doing fine. Uh, yeah, yeah, I saw I saw people who worked in the studio system who no longer work at the company. And so they were talking about like, when I was there, um, every single person who'd had Chapek's job and Kareem Daniels job before them mm-hmm. had, had like made the effort to know our names and visit us when we were the heads of these things and, and like come in and have at least one conversation with us when they were taking over the job and get familiar with us, if not more than that. And I never saw either of those people once. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Chapek seems like a monster. Um, yeah, the- Go ahead, Ben. No, I, I was my only two cents to throw into this is that um, following uh, a bunch of Disney creators on TikTok and like other social media websites, they have been having an absolute field day with this. There, the memes have been glorious, and even like other news sources about uh, like one of the big ones is like how Iger would say that JPEG was killing the soul of or ruining the soul of Disney. Oh, yeah. They're uh, killing, he's killing the soul of the company. On on the Monday after our podcast. So the day after the news had broke, 
Disneyland and Disney World ran out of celebrating buttons. Wow. <laughs> Everybody went and got I'm celebrating buttons. That's really funny. That's that. really funny. That um, makes sense. One of the things that you reminded me of real quickly um, were things like, you know, Iger was not responsible for a lot of the stuff that came out. Obviously, those are the creators who create who created them. But it really felt like the thing is the it is cynical to say this. I understand, but it's also but you know we kind of have to take you know take it where we can get it. But like progressiveness makes money, and even people who are angry at the progressiveness of what we're seeing in media is still generating clicks, which still mm -hmm. generates money. Mm -hmm. And so Iger knew that. And and the Weekly Planet often says, like, you know, if studios felt like they'd make more money cutting you open and taking the gold out of your skin, they would do that. Like, they're yeah. always looking for the way to make the most money. And Iger realized that putting out progressive media was the way to do it. So we saw a lot more progressive media under Iger. Then we, and Chapek came in and swooped in and swooped in and took it all away because he wanted to cater to the people who are angry, not realizing that their anger is also generating revenue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also really funny. It was it was really funny this week and, and frustrating to watch a lot of people saying like JPEX out because when you go woke, you go broke. And I'm like, y'all, like wrong guy. That was the opposite it's of what JPEX was doing. That's kind of people why he's were, out, actually. Yeah. People were actually saying that about oh, yeah. Wow. It was a whole it's a whole agenda because it's whatever fits the narrative. And like yeah. one person says it and then a whole bunch of people run with that idea and they're like, You're right, because like regardless of the fact that JPEG was pulling back on it, progressiveness was still in the media, yeah. right? Like there were still representations of it. We're going to talk about a movie that this was made under JPEG's regime as much as Iger's, um, more so even under JPEG. Maybe that's why it's buried. And that's true, but it still is progressive media itself. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. the piece itself is progressive. So these things were still existing, right? If this were under HBO, this movie would have been canceled. Um, <laughs> but that, but you know, like it's not, it's not what this the, the that no, narrative is you're right you're right what what the the thing you you hit the nail on the head when you said that like it's whatever serves their serves their narrative and or does poorly in the ratings not because of the slew of of of, of fine star wars stuff it, do, it does it it slips because it's woke you know yeah. kathleen there's a rumor that was floating around this week that kathleen kennedy is leaving again uh she's going to be leaving that for years <laughs> We've heard, we've been hearing that for years, frankly. I, I hear about it like, like we hear about Hillary Clinton's emails. I swear. <laughs> yeah, and so and so like they run with that because Andor's not doing well in the race. It's whatever fits their narrative. So Chapek leave getting fired because he was ruining the soul of the company. Uh, all of a sudden became Chapek was fired because he was woke. When if you spend any minute watching that man's interviews, that is so far from the truth. Right. Um, anyway, uh, Iger has asked senior lieutenants Dana Walden. Alan Bergman, Jimmy P Jimmy Pitari, and Christine McCarthy to design a new structure going forward for the uh, for the company DMED. Uh, that so so quote so design a new structure quote that puts more decision making back in the hands of our creative teams and rationalizes costs. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Iger is holding a big town hall meeting tomorrow morning um, from this recording. Um, I'm sure we're going to hear about it because Bob Iger has done something rather surprising in which he has invited literally every single person who works for the Disney company to view it. Um, mm -hmm. It is being streamed out to them live and on a replay the following day. Uh, and he has welcomed every single person in the company to watch so they know what he has to say and get feel like 
he's getting them all back on the same page. Awesome. Is Iker the closest thing we have to a Walt Disney? I won't go that far, but I mean, I do think, I do think he, I think the important part is that Iger recognizes that the rot from JPEG goes all the way down to the smallest part of the machine. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and that every single cast member and every single employee has been affected on every level uh, by JPEG's actions. Right. And so I think he wants everybody to feel like they are being welcomed into honestly being welcomed because uh, Chapek didn't make them feel that way. Yeah. And that he's, he's trying to send a message. I suspect of I'm, I want to make it better for you. I understand that for everybody, there is a problem and we yeah. want to fix the problem. Uh, do I want to know how much he made, he, he decided he signed on for how much money it took for him to come back. It's a lot. It's actually not as much as I thought it would be. And it's actually less than he went out on. Hmm. It's a million dollars lower pay than what he had. He was making when he left. This is a lot of money. Like no, no, no kidding. This is a lot of money. This is money would change my life, but him it's peanuts. Right. He's only coming back for a million dollars base salary. Yeah, Iger. Iger is, is he's Davos Golden. He's money Davos. Doesn't, he's exactly. Mad, exactly money doesn't matter say. anymore. Money doesn't matter anymore. Once you got, once you get past five million dollars, like what's another mill? What's he's another coming, mill? He's coming back for the people. Yeah, he's coming back for the people. I mean, but that's exactly what it feels like. Like that's that, that salary number feels like it's it's like it wasn't the money that made him come back. It was the it was the this desire to to the fix the company. company. It's true. Yeah, the like, company that he helped. Oh, he didn't. No, he didn't create it. The help he helped usher in a new era. It's on the downslope because of the guy in charge. I'm right. like, I, I built something, bro. I'm not gonna let you destroy it. Right. And like, I, yeah. I, I'm, it's awesome that, like, he's not perfect. No. He's certainly, he's certainly better than JPEG. So like, having somebody who actually cares, that's all I can care about. That's all I want. Mm -hmm. Somebody like, who cares. He's, he's no saint, but like, making the choice to come back at the lowest salary possible for a man in his position, which is CEO of the Walt Disney Company. That's a big ass and job. coming and coming in and coming in for yeah. the lowest possible salary he can take. Yeah, that's admirable considering that they have to give paid chapek his big old parachute like he's getting contract yeah chapek's getting i think 23 million i think it's reported yes, yes. which i mean that's that's the money he it's because he was contracted for another year yeah so like he'll be fine yeah Trailers. i do love the oh i was about to say i do love the Ticketmaster memes Oh yes, they have been <laughs> good lord bob chapek fired from disney hired as ceo of Ticketmaster. oh get the swifties after him uh, trailers T already Talk. already yep. uh so there's a show coming out on netflix it's a show right kaleidoscope mm -hmm. yeah it's a show so a a feature came out uh came out this week called building kaleidoscope yeah so this is and i'm not I, it's not clear it's not clear but it is a show that you can watch the episodes in any order but when we were talking with one of our roommates um she was under the impression that when you watch the show the show will randomize the episodes for you as opposed mm -hmm. to what I thought it was, is it's, let's say it's eight episodes, you pick what episode you want to watch in a row. Um, either way, I think it's an incredible idea that I think is going to work because of the talent involved. Um, there's some really great actors involved and, and the people behind the scenes. Uh, I want to say it's Black Mirror people, but I could be wrong. But I think the person directing it was someone from Black Mirror, but I could be wrong. Um, okay. The idea that you can watch a heist, it's, it's about a heist, uh, and you can watch it in any order, and you'll get a different viewpoint of the story and it'll make sense in different ways is incredible that is such a a cool idea that if they're able to pull it off 
uh good on them i'm so and netflix has done stuff like this like banner snatch like the choose your own adventure shit so like this is not the unbreakable kimmy schmidt finale exactly yeah so like this isn't unheard of for them to do something like this um i'm just i'm just super curious i'm like if it's going to be compelling because like if you do let's say you watch the finale first like that's got to be compelling to watch like everything out of order like it's it's i am so interested in this to see if it's going to be great or a big dumpster fire um because i it, it seems like too good to be true like like the coolest interactive story possible. Uh, so it looks like the head director has done a lot of Netflix work, such as Sandman, Lock and Key, uh, oh. things like that. No Black Mirror. No Black Mirror. Okay. Okay. Um, and the other, and so the other two directors, one of them hasn't really done a whole lot. Uh, one of them directed the RoboCop remake. So I mean, it could be worse. That's a it studio. could be worse. That's a studio job, but Sandman and Netflix stuff is okay. 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 Yeah. So so that, that's uh, Mar- uh, Marzi Almas. Uh, she did. She's directed episodes of Outlander, The Sandman, Shadow and Bone, Paper Girls, Lock and Key, Why the Last Man. Yeah, kind of hit and miss, but there's some good direction stuff. I in mean, here. but that's that definitely like a seasoned TV director. Yeah, Jessica Jones. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah. I'm yeah. The, the thing I'm most curious about if it is if it is randomized or you wa- you watch it in your own pace because like I was more interested in that, so I can go straight to the finale and then build the story up from there and see if that actually works as well as they say it will. I totally so, forgot why the last man show came out. Word. So the the uh the the writer of the of the show wrote the book, The Repossession Mambo and wrote the screenplay for its adaptation, Repo Men. Oh, the um is that the Jude Law one? It's Jude Law one. I remember liking that movie. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And a movie called Anonymous Rex. That's got to be bad. Oh, the dinosaurs didn't go completely extinct when the asteroid hit 65 million years ago today. Today, every 10,000th person in the country is a dinosaur evolved to be human-sized, wearing sophisticated, solid-light holographic disguises to maintain the facade. This sounds great. Wow. What? 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 That sounds great. I know I'm pretty sure I told Brian, but I ever tell you guys I woke up from a dream and the only thing I can remember from it was that a demon is simply a perfect dinosaur. A demon is a perfect dinosaur. Yeah. Interesting. The implication being that a demon is just a dinosaur that has evolved to its perfect form in modern human day. Human form, yeah. Still got I'm gonna, tail. I'm going to try and show you guys this picture. Oh, wow. That's a triceratops, man. <laughs> sounds hell? like Men in Black. Yeah, you're right, man. It does sound like Men in Black. <laughs> Is, I, that sounds like a comedy, but it sounds like it's, it's a, a drama. It's four 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 point two out of ten on IMDb. Uh, oh no! <laughs> I was, I was right, anyway. like, is that something like Velocipaster or something? No, oh, Velocipaster. I remember. Oh that. yeah, that, I've watched many. I've watched several YouTube reviews on that movie. Um, yeah, anyway. I think I think this idea is really really inventive. I just hope it, it's able to pull it off. Yeah, I, yeah, I hope it pulls it off. Really. The Callisto Protocol. So, um, I let me look it up real quick so I get the name right. I have watched so much behind the scenes of this game. Um, there's a YouTube channel called Ars Technica, and they're a they're a video game tech channel. Um, and they've done multiple interviews with the guy, the creative director of this game, Glenn Schofield. He's the creator of the Dead Space franchise. Uh, so like this past week, the game comes out next week. This past week, I've watched uh, every developer blog and like interview about him making the game, his experience with Dead Space, and turning into this game. Uh, I am so stoked for this game, guys! You, I can't even tell you. Um, this live action trailer is just like a little hint. It's about Josh Duhamel, and he lands on a dead moon that has crazy parasite monsters attacking it. Um, well made. It's it's really great looking, uh, like a, like a, a minute minute thirty trailer. But um, 
I am so stoked for this game because it really is just like the next iteration of of Dead Space, and we're getting a Dead Space remake. So like, this next month is like a horror fans like wet dream. It's it's I'm so excited for this game. It's gonna be so gross and gnarly. It's gonna uh, be so great when Ben plays it. Oh my god! It's like like the tech that they have that they're able to do with the ps5 with this shit like like the skin is like see-through so you can like see the particles in them and when you shoot in one specific spot it'll get bigger and bigger and they will they will they will dismember wherever you shoot them which was a big component of dead space but it is even more now where like they have a gore system they spent a year building a gore system so the dismemberment is like literally piece by piece you can it is disgusting i am beyond excited i was i i always love so i watched the live action trailer and watch the launch trailer um because i hadn't seen the launch trailer yet um i really like the look of this and i i really like it when video games are just actors uh yeah. when they use the actors faces like josh demel and um uh karen Fukunaga. Ooh, carrie Fukunaga. uh thank you um and, and it's just them but mm-hmm. see but but glossy because they're a video game like yeah. um uh, uh god of war has a few actors uh in both games that that have that yeah yeah I, I think it's really fun when you're just like oh yeah i'm just playing as josh Dumel. yeah the uh they released uh they released a picture a side by side of josh Dumel and then what I he looks that. like in unreal 5 and it's it's just josh Dumel again it's it's it we are we are at a point where technology where it's like that's just a real person oh my god holy shit i really saw fun. that i saw that picture i legitimately thought i was being trolled because like this is the same picture I had to put it up on my big on, on my big TV instead of my phone, and I had to do zoom ins. Be like, all right, I, okay, here's the, okay. Now I know it's a video game, but I have to be like super into it. And I'm like, that's just it's so incredible. Um, like the the description said live action. When I was watching, I was like, are we sure this is live action or is this video game? Hey, I don't hey, know. The line was blurred. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I am, and there's like there's, I'm just so excited because it is not a game. That Dead Space turned into Dead Space Three is is awful. It, they turned it from being a horror game into a bad action game with microtransactions, and then like they ruined the upgrade system. And like this is just like Glensko feels like I wanted to go back to like just making a game again. And the game is gonna have a season pass, and so it is gonna have like DLC that you can buy and like outfits and stuff. But like nothing is gonna be behind a paywall uh, like that game was. Um, and I'm just I'm just I'm just so excited because like it it looks horrifying. Like I, I love, I love being scared so much, y'all. I love playing scary games. Uh, this looks like um, too, almost too real for me. Um, I'm, I'm so stoked. I'm so stoked. Three spooky. If it's bad, I'm gonna cry. Three spooky five me. Sparks, did you have something you want to say? Uh, I'm not about Callisto Protocol. <laughs> um, okay. I am excited about that. I got too into learning more about Anonymous Rex. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, it's based off books. Books. books, books. Um. That was a made sci-fi made for television movie, by the way. Not really? the movie we were referring to. It was supposed to be a backdoor pilot for a show. Oh. Now, put all that aside. Um, the books are uh, they have their like suspense, but they're also supposed to be funny. Especially okay, so Anonymous Rex was the first one, which is about private investigator Velociraptor and his partner, who's a Triceratops. Um, but it has a prequel called Casual Rex, which is way more like Weekend at Bernie's style funny. And then it has a sequel called Hot and Sexy Rex. <laughs> and I'm not making that up. <laughs> this is and great. I might need to read these in the future. <laughs> there's a 
There's a they're, Whoopi they're Goldberg. By... There's a Whoopi Goldberg dinosaur movie called Theodore Rex that mm-hmm. is very similar to this, where dinosaurs are still alive on the Earth and he's a detective with Whoopi Goldberg. I wouldn't be shocked if they're if that's tangentially cre- uh, connected to that. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I uh, Eric Garcia wrote these books um, for anyone. Eric who's Garcia working. is the director of. Oh, is he's one of the dudes working on? Yeah, that's his. His name was like uh, uh, shown in the behind the scenes of uh, Kaleidoscope. Uh, so he's go. fully involved in it. Awesome. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, Calista Protocol looks spooky. Uh, Sonata's Rex sounds hilarious. Uh, what if the dinosaurs faked their own extinction? Fake. <laughs> what a good, what a good Instead plant. of a fake moon landing, a fake... Oh, I'm sorry. It's not hot and sexy. It's hot and sweaty, Rex. My yeah, oh. yeah, we gotta keep PG. Uh, the Dinosaur Mafia Mysteries. There you go. That's... I'm so thrilled that we discovered this. <laughs> I'm I'm endeared. Is there an audio book? Is there an audio book? No, it ah. I think it's too old because like that TV movie was made in 2004. Oh, okay. These books were before that. Okay. Um, it does look you know like what? there's just three. It's those three books. Mm-hmm. You know what um, we should do? Book club. Make the audiobook. Oh, make the audiobook. Oh. Here, I'll be a dinosaur. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'll be your Triceratops partner. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. White noise. Yes. Yeah, so we we saw uh we saw a version of this trailer in theaters for Glass Onion that was different than this yes. trailer was. It was very much, it felt more like a, like, like a first teaser. Didn't give you everything. That's like a first teaser that doesn't explore the story. Uh, now I know what the story is. Uh, uh, and I'm like, I'm very, I'm very into a dark apocalypse comedy. <laughs> I'm very into it. I thought this looked really good. I, um, I like, I like the cast a lot. I have, I'm not too familiar with the director, honestly. Uh, Noah Baumbach, I believe his name is. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen too many of his stuff, but I, I thought this looked really good. Yes, I agree. I also think this looks good. Um, I like the time period setting uh, and based off of the dynamic of the family. Yeah. I think will be fun. Very much seems it's going to be like like you know a uh, environmental like we're ignoring the environment. Let's get just move away from it. Just get away when from they're, it. When they're when they're in the flood, just going down the river. Are we going to ignore what's happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny. Yeah, yeah. Ben, are you, this, this is how you feel about this one? Uh, well, to be perfectly honest, I was actually happy to see Adam Driver. Mm-hmm. Chris, for a while, I was like, what has Adam Driver been doing after uh, Star Wars and other films? He's he been doing a lot, actually. He's, he's been, been doing a lot. lot. I just don't watch it. Last yeah. year, he did a musical uh, written by the Sparks Brothers. That was really? actually, I think, January this year. Oh, really? Wow. I think That's... so. It's I forgot. Near my friends. Yeah. Oh. Really... He was oh. in that Netflix movie with Scarlett Johansson where he yells and he punches the wall. Marriage mm-hmm. Story. I, you know what? If you want to see more Adam Driver, I highly recommend Logan Lucky. It's it's awesome. Mm-hmm. I want to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you want more uh, good this, Daniel Craig too, if I'm correct. Yes. yes. Okay. yes. Mm-hmm. Anyways, anyways, besides that, this looked. I didn't really understand what the heck was going on. I just saw like it was in the 80s or the late 70s. Things yeah. were, looked bad. Things looked creepy. Um, there's some airborne virus. There, there's there's something going on. There's like some cult people doing. Huh? doing like jazz hands and screaming i i I really like the parallel overhead shot of the all the people in the grocery store with the cars yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. uh but i mean i don't really have anything much to say about this one i mean it's like cool it's on netflix it looks it's in theaters it looks interesting but mostly i'm just like yep you're right mac house of gucci i saw that gucci you saw house you saw house of gucci yeah i took fanny oh interesting oh and he was in the last duel that's true damn it He's had a year. I gotta, I gotta watch yeah. that last one. Uh, I uh, um, 
Yeah, uh, really, really. So for White Noise, I don't really have a whole lot to say about it. Maybe another trailer. I'll just wait till another trailer, or I'll I, probably watch it on Netflix. But other than that, I'm like, that look, looks cool. I don't really have anything. No, nothing positive, nothing negative to say about it. Okay, uh, I will say that I feel like the trailer gives the vibes of like something that will be a good product. I'm sure in a in a well thought out version of this. But it does make me think of the How I Met Your Mother episode where they go to the to the play, and then it's like uh, it's the one where it's like we are all sins, and then uh, they hold the mirror up to a member of the audience, and they're like, "And you consumerism," <laughs> and like that it's going to kind of hit yeah. on that kind of idea of like I don't think it will be as badass. No. What's that one movie that came out? The, the, don't the, look the, up. The, don't look up. I don't think it'll be a don't look up where it's like no. I right? don't think so. I don't think so either. But no, it does feel like. But it does that. feel like that's a, that's an amount of what it's doing of like and you consumerism and you're like ah oh, okay. Hey, sometimes okay. if that's not right. No, it's like, true. No, it's true. I am a consumer. Yes, you're right. Uh, so because Ben brought it up, I thought I would argue Strange World to an extent when we talk about it later. Is so 2019 was Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker, and then he skipped 2020, probably because of the pandemic. 2021, he had three movies: Annette, Last Duel, and House of Gucci. And then this year, Annette, Annette was last year. Then and then just uh, this year, White Noise is the only movie that this year. Working. Yeah. Oh, he's got 60. I forgot 65 was pushed to the next year. I'm excited for that. 65 mm -hmm. is this is the sci-fi movie where he's stranded on the moon, but maybe he's not alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like all right um avatar 2 the way of water let me tell you i i saw two movies in theaters this week and i saw a, i saw two avatar trailers that weren't the new one so i was like oh, this is a new one you're not showing me that so uh i'm glad i watched it i'm so excited i'm 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 avatar pilled y'all i'm still so surprised that three trailers are out and the second and third trailers just refuse to show us anything more about the human boy yeah, that's yeah. Also what his deal is or why he's there. Yeah, I'm so interested. There, I think this is a pretty. He's good their trailer. secret mystery. Yeah, I think there's there is new footage, but it is a lot of old footage too. There's a lot of this movie they're not showing us. This is a think... over three hour long movie, and I feel like we haven't really seen anything. We're basically seeing different angles of scenes we've already seen in the previous trailer. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm, I've heard some like that this movie goes so much crazier into like mystical fantasy territory i believe that. especially you see very very uh short uh quickly you see i believe it's uh uh sigourney weaver's teenage character basically like does almost like a kamehameha like her she glows that's in the i think that's in the second trailer right yes when she, she does it in this one. oh sorry that is the second trailer because I, well, i've watched that twice this week you um, saw it twice today yeah it's true yeah yeah um but like it, it, there is so much more of this movie that they're not showing us that I'm really, really excited for. Yeah. Because, like, somebody made a great point. It's like, even though Avatar 1 is a James Cameron movie, that is a one-for-them James Cameron movie. And Avatar 2 is the one-for-me James Cameron movie. So, like, this uh, this is... That's a good way to look at it. This is going to be a epic movie. No, I think you're epic. right. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah, Because, yeah. like, would, like that that's probably going to end up being a good assessment because like way of water feels much just like on site, especially knowing how much it's incorporating, like all the Marine life stuff Yeah, yeah. is so important. James Cameron, such a motivator of everything he does Yeah. Uh, at this point in his life that it like the man spent so much time on the bottom of the ocean. Um, it's, part it's, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's definitely like there's more of him in the project on site than I think there was uh, in the first one. I think there's so much of, not that I want to call the first Avatar soulless, and we'll be doing a review of it soon. Or it's, found, it's the foundation it's, for it's, a world. 
he had to do so much else about what he was doing with the technology in the moment mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that you know a lot of the other parts of story and character probably didn't get a lot of his attention yeah 100%. so i think you're right i think that's a really good good way to look at it as the the one for them this is the avatar for me i'm stupid excited for this i watched the second trailer uh again in uh when i went to see a movie no i went to see a different movie this week oh strange world duh um (laughs) we watched strange world i saw the second trailer for um uh for avatar and i was crying like (laughs) it's beautiful it's beautiful on the big screen and I, i i i'm so stoked for this movie uh, the second trailer, uh, what I'm really surprised about is that James Cameron is kind of marketing it like a Marvel movie. And and it's kind of refreshing to see that a big budget original IP, honestly, um, yeah. is keeping so much from the audience, um, trusting and hoping that the audience will come to it. And we've heard the we've heard the news. This movie's got to make a buttload of cash to, to make to make back its money. <laughs> this is what really bums me out. It has to become the third highest grossing movie of all time to make yeah. it. And I'm like, that sucks. Cause like, I I think it will do it. I, I do think the, I think people are unexpectedly again like don't 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 count James Cameron out. <laughs> He's made well, highest grossing movies multiple times. But also Twitter, you know, Twitter the Twitter space is not a really it's not a very good accurate representation of the general audience. No. Um, only like twenty percent of the of the human race population is on Twitter, um, and so the fact that also. Avatar 2 will be the first Disney film to release in China since 2019. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Oh, yeah. It's money, money, baby, money. So this movie's making a lot of money. I'm sure of it. Uh, I, I also never count James Cameron out. I really like the first Avatar film. I've liked it since the beginning. Although, much like Sparks was talking about uh, Silent Hill recently, I had a very similar trajectory with uh, Avatar, where I was... I was kind of convinced, like I convinced myself, like, oh, everyone's right. It's not, not, it's just Fern Gully in space or whatever. It's, it's, it's fine movie. Uh, I, you know, I was some mistaken. I haven't seen it in years. Um, and, and thinking back on it, I was like, no, you know what? I like that movie. I'm excited to rewatch it. I'm really excited for the sequel. Um, I frankly can't wait. I saw, I saw, I remember it was my uh, senior year of high school. Me. I saw it four times in theaters because I have like, my first time was an IMAX and I'm like, I can't believe movies can be like this. And that's like, I remember saw- later. <laughs> I saw it uh, real quickly, Ben. Sorry, I saw the when they re-released it with eight minutes of new footage. I went to see that, mm. mm-hmm. and then they I re-released remember. it with sixteen minutes. I didn't go see that, but I oh, too much. I remember seeing it opening weekend with my dad, IMAX 3D. He was we straight up went to it. He's like, "We're if we're gonna see this movie, we're gonna." See, his exact words were, "If we're gonna go see this movie, we're gonna see it right." And we went to the biggest IMAX screen that we could find. Got the 3D IMAX thing. My dad was walking away. He's like, you know what? $40 for the two of us, that was a lot of money. But you know what? It's going to be worth it. Worth it. Yeah. We walked out. Man, that was worth it. Mm-hmm. Avatar single-handedly made Alice in Wonderland a billion dollars. Isn't that wild to think about? You're going to have to You're gonna have to elaborate. Alice in, Wonderland, to... Alice in Wonderland was the, was the first film directly after Avatar to use the 3D that Avatar spearheaded. That movie made a billion dollars because of the inflated ticket sales uh, for everybody trying to see the 3D that Avatar had done. It, it piggybacked, rightfully so, off of what Avatar did. And it's, it's insane to me that that sequel got greenlit because of it. That sequel tanked. 
And you know what? Like I saw so many 3D movies looking back. I'm like, why did I waste that extra money on so right? many? Because half of those movies are post-converted and they don't even look good. Yeah. I very few, went... very few were shot in 3D. Clash uh, of the Titans was awful. <laughs> animation almost always benefited from the trend. Um, but mm-hmm. particularly like I there's very few movies I go out of my way to own a 3D copy of. I don't even have a way to watch the 3D mm-hmm. Blu-ray right now, but if I ever get a player, I want to make sure I have the copy of it. One of the most prominent ones is Charlie Brown, uh, the Charlie Brown Peanuts movie that came out of just a, you know five years the ago. The football comes right at you. It's a 3D oh. one, and the animation is exceptional in 3D. Mm-hmm. Um, truly, truly beautiful. Uh so, you know, it happens. And Avatar is, I, you know, I, Avatar's 3D is different from other 3Ds. Yeah. Mad, the, Max says he saw it in September, the re-release. Uh, I, yeah, I wish I could have found time to see it on a big screen. Me too. I mean, I, I got a big screen downstairs, I guess, though. What was, what was always so great. The, okay. yeah. what, I, what I think, what I think, uh, like Sparks was talking about, what I think the animation benefited so much from was that, you know, James Cameron... 3D was was always it's coming out at you, it's touching you. It's gonna, but James Cameron pushed the 3D in, and 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 made it so that you, yeah. you were kind of looking into a window. Um, and I think animation specifically benefited from that style of 3D in a way that live action, not entirely did, mostly because of they were the post conversions that we were seeing. It also helps that Avatar is mostly animated. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's all CG. Uh, all right. That's it. Is it? <laughs> Time to take a journey. Let's go into our main topic. All right. We are talking about Strange World, the latest Disney animated film. Uh, the first to ever lose money, uh, most likely. Um, so actually, sp- actually, 20 years ago to this day, Treasure Planet came out and also bombed. Oh, yeah. Uh, I like that movie. That was great. Uh, I like Atlantis more, though, if I'm honest. Atlantis yeah, is also really good. It is good. All right. So, full spoilers. You have been warned. Pause this. Stop this. Do whatever you do to avoid the spoilers or not. We can't control your lives. But if you don't want to know anything about this movie, stop it now. So if you're still here, full spoilers. You've been warned. What do we think about this? Pause menu. I had a great time. I, I So I, I was pre, predisposition. That's the word. Uh, this is a movie I've wanted Disney to make for a long time. The closest movie that has come to it is Up, uh, where them going to a fantastical world. I love old school pulpy shit, like old school adventure comics, old school like old school Journey to the Center of the Earth and that kind of stuff. Uh, not so much the modern stuff, just because I don't think it's as, as, as good. Um, but I love, especially like old pulpy comics, like the 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 credits of this movie, the opening credits, I loved a lot. Um, I think it looks great. I love the characters um the the third act twist i i it made me like the movie even more i just wish the script was better uh i think it's a pretty generic script um that is the and it sucks because it's like what the whole movie's based on is like the script right but like it is one of those movies where um we've talked about some other movies this year that are kind of like it but this is like the best version of that where like if this script were better it would be in my top 10 i love what this movie's doing uh i just wish what they were saying was just a little sharper a, a little a little more not cutting edge but a little uh another another work another round on the script maybe to give it this a little more punch because i felt pretty generic at times with what they're saying but i think the emotions that are happening on screen and the performances are excellent sparks or ben i would essentially repeat 
pretty much what Ryan said. Um, I think the world's very well visualized I and brought to life and uh, thought through. And the characters are very good. The performances are good. The <clears throat> tone of it is great. And I like what the, the arcs are. But um, I think Ryan's right. Like, it is a simplistic and in a lot of ways predictable script uh, that I think does drag it down a little. Yeah. You know when I walked out of Strange World last night, I I walked out of there liking it. I was like, man, that was pretty good. I had a fun time. But there was just something in the back of my head. I was like, there's something about this movie that I'm not raving about. It's still mm-hmm. good. And then Ryan nailed it on the head when he said it, it was bad. It w- it could have been a better script. And I agree because the more I think about it, it's like, oh yeah, there were some pretty corny lines. I mean, there were some great action pieces. The twist at the end I thought was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But everything leading up to that, it was kind of like paint. It felt like a very paint by numbers family adventure story. And it's like, not to say that we haven't seen that before, but it's definitely like, I've seen this. I know where this is going to go. And he's going to say the same. It's like, I was sitting there going, he's going to, it's like, we'll get into it. But it's like, when that's going to happen, it's going to happen, but the roles are going to be reversed. Yeah. Yeah. I pretty much agree with everything you're saying. Um, the, the I was really excited for the movie because I it felt like they were hearkening back to what we were just, what we were honestly just talking about your Treasure Planets, your Atlantis, the Lost Empires. I really thought this movie was trying to kind of recapture what makes those movies really fun, uh, advent, those type of adventure movies um, that I adore. Frankly, I I love Atlantis, the Lost Empire. It is for me top ten, top five, maybe Disney films of all time. Um, so I'm all in on this kind of idea, but watching it, it's got all the elements that I feel like it needs to have, but it's missing that like X factor to push it over the edge, to push it into that kind of, uh, that kind of fun adventure film that those movies are for me. It's just, it's just missing that one, the X factor is, you know, it's that, that one thing, the little bit of magic that pushes it over to be like, Oh, this is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I'm thinking about it right now and I've been thinking about it since we saw it. And the main problem in the script that I see is that the movie knows Ethan is the main character, but it thinks the main character is searcher. Hmm. And because yeah, yeah, it constantly yeah, yeah. brings us back to That's a good point. Yeah. To searchers arc rather than letting Ethan's fully flourish. Ethan is never truly our center character. Like mm-hmm. it's it's about it's about Ethan's like growth mm-hmm. and his relationship with Searcher evolving beyond what Searcher's has been with his father. But it's that through the lens of Searcher, not through the lens of Ethan. Yeah, yeah. Sure. When it should have been through the lens of Ethan about Searcher and his dad. Yeah, I'll. I'll it's I'll very much. You know what? Because, like, sorry, real quick, Brandon. Sorry. Um, the moment where they're on the little bike and they go into the mist and they're mm-hmm. sitting facing away from each other, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, goofy movie, gotcha. Because it's the moment when they're on the car, mm-hmm. and I think that's very apt. But the reason I think that's so apt is because goofy movie is from Max's perspective. Yeah, it is Max. Like we see scenes with Goofy that don't have Max in them, but the movie is favoring max's lens this one is favoring searchers 
And that's where I think it's not working with itself because it's really Ethan. It's really about Ethan. It's trying to have, yeah, it's trying to, it's trying to do two, two, it's trying to do two arcs at the same time, but it's not, it's not choosing on who you want the story to actually be about. Because it's trying to feed, like, it's trying to feed Searcher's relationship to his son and his father mm -hmm. as the main story point, where it should be Ethan's relationship to Searcher. And through that, what that, how that has been affected by Searcher's relationship to his father, yeah. not also serving that story that's not to say like you can't have important scenes between searcher and his dad or that you shouldn't be following up on that story but it should still be about how that has affected ethan yeah yeah and coming back to that as the center point and i think that's really where it falters is that we're we're constantly being kind of turned away from where the story feels like it belongs mm -hmm. i wonder if perhaps <clears throat> i i don't mind throwing this guy under the bus i don't know i don't know what i'm saying I wonder if perhaps JPEG prevented it because, you know, Ethan is honestly, Disney can say whatever they want. Ethan is their first gay character. He is the first yeah. character who is explicitly gay on screen, is acknowledged as being gay from the start of the movie. Yep. And that is about, in his arc is about, you know, partially about he is in love with a boy. Like that, that's really, that's really cool. But I do wonder if perhaps JPEG prevented it from being a story about him entirely. And wanted to and pushed it to be more about searcher. Yeah, yeah. I, Speculation. I don't know if that's true. I'm not. I I don't mind throwing him under the bus like that. But I just I'm curious. Yeah, I I'm I wonder. Mag's right. The, the, I leaned over to Sparks and I was like, "Is that Sellers like a tan that they're playing?" <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I that's a fun game. Um, yeah, I, I I'm like I really I really do like the movie. It's just like, it's just too formulaic at times for me. And I'm like, I think you are right. Like I, I, I was super invested in Ethan and like him becoming like him being an explorer, like his grandfather and like the drama between like how his dad, he doesn't want him to grow up like his dad, like the same thing that's happening with him, with Searcher and, and uh, Jaeger. Like, I think that's all great. I think it was just too like, we saw it coming. We knew, we knew what was going to happen. Oh, they're going to get in the argument. And then Ethan's going to hang out with Jaeger and they're going to get along and that's going to make it more dramatic. Like it just felt like A to B to C, but everything else surrounding it, I adore I really do. I love the world and the reveal that it's a it's a giant creature that that put the movie over to me of like I think this is this is a pretty good movie that just has that uh, it bums me out that like uh, it's like formulaic because I think everything else surrounding it is incredible. I'm I'm thinking about my own relationship with both my father and his father mm -hmm. and how my dad hated his dad yep. um, from the moment like when I, once I was in the world. No, I'm sorry. Once I was three, that is when their relationship turned to a hate for each other. It had nothing to do with me. There's something else that happened that I won't go into here. Um, but they developed this, this deep resentment for each other. But my grandfather loved me and wanted to have a relationship with me. Mm -hmm. um, so what happened is that I get these different kinds of narratives about who the other one was in their eyes. And that's kind of what we should have had with Ethan. We should have had this like, who the grandfather thinks Searcher is yeah. to him and who Searcher thinks his father is to him. And especially with that 25 year gap, like not even knowing who they are Ooh, anymore. You know, what, you know what I think one of the problems is I expected Jaeger to show up way later in the movie. He shows up, he showed up really he shows early. Up, he shows up in the first act. And I think we needed more time with Ethan, Ethan, uh, Ethan and Searcher about their relationship to show that that is the same relationship he had with his father. And that, like, he's doing it un unknowingly. I, so when Rager does show up, he's like, you're just doing what I did. Like, we are the same person. I, I hear you, and I I, I don't entirely disagree, yeah, I yeah. guess. But I, I do think, like, 
I was like you. I thought Jaeger was going to show up later. When Jaeger showed up, I was actually relieved. Yeah. Felt like that was bucking away from formula. Okay. That he's usually going to be like, I expected him to be a late second act reveal. Yeah. 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 Um, like the mom, but the fact that he gets there, but the fact that he gets there in there early means that those relationships are brought to the surface immediately. That's true. Um, I, I do think it's just all about like it, it didn't want to take a lot of time defining Ethan's relationship with them, with the two men individually. Mm -hmm. Uh, it wanted to use Ethan in between them defining their relationship. And that, that's where it, I don't, I don't think it, it excels at, at the story that it had on its hands. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ethan's great. Uh, the whole family's great. I'm really glad that um, you get the mom coming back in because I didn't want them to leave her at the farm. Yeah. She's uh, a great pilot. I, 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 I knew they wouldn't. Cause I'm like, I'm sure I've seen her in another part of the trailer. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I got nervous. I'm like, no way. Right. Um, I really like like, the queer representation is is nice because it's just treated as just there. There it is. Uh, mm -hmm. Like Ethan gets just as flustered, flirtatious around a crush as we've seen any boy or girl in a Disney property do before. Yeah. Um, it's not. Uh, you know, it's treated. It's correctly. just. It's just how life is. Yeah. Um, just, yeah. And I really, I really appreciate that. I think. Um, yeah, I think what we're talking about with the with the script stuff, I do think that that's like there's a lot of kind of generic moments there's some really nice gems like i i really do like it's one of the it's one of the better scenes i think between searcher and jaeger which is when they're they have the drinks yeah and what he says about how he views the farm and how he views i get that the legacy for his kid and all jaeger says is i get that and i get that too and it's it's actually it's very on the nose but it is conveying all this emotion about what what they again like how they have differently perceived the relationship that they've had and, yeah. and you could have gotten more of that through ethan instead of through searcher 100 because like I, yeah that moment's great because because you think that's a moment where where jaeger's gonna be like you know what like i did mess up and i'm gonna change he's like oh too old can't do anything about it i guess and i'm like damn damn that's that's that's, that's, that's that that felt real uh uh sparks you're about to say something in regards to that i want to go back so if you have something to comment on that well, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say real quick because like what it is it, uh, just in that is that Ethan, like when Ethan has the blow up at Searcher, uh, and says I don't want I don't want to be you yeah. kind of moment like it's 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 a it's a opening up for resolution between their relationship right, but it's treated in this way where because he has guided like Searcher to that Searcher isn't ever kind of given credence to the resolution path for his relationship with his dad is more than just like blaming him, but actually understanding, understanding him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I don't, yeah. They could have done more of that for sure. Yeah. Uh, so real, a little while back, Ryan, you mentioned how it, um, how the, the dad is introduced really early. I don't necessarily think the issue is that the dad is introduced really early. It is interesting to me how quickly the movie gets to okay we're going to the strange world because of this thing mm -hmm. i don't know if i needed it to go any longer it was just a little jarring that we that we spend so little time in the town and i think they do a fine job of kind of getting you familiar with the town um and and kind of this this crop i was just i don't know it was just it was just like you said ryan it was surprising that 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 jaeger shows up so early it was surprising that we went to the strange world so early we're still in the first act when we go to the strange world and that I, would be the second act thing 
I suppose I prefer spending more time in the in the not that uh, Avalonia isn't isn't beautiful, but like I think I prefer want to spend more time in the crazy world than than the regular world because uh, that's just that's just more interesting. Um, and we see enough of the world to know that it is incredibly different and, and magical in its own way. So like there, it's air powered electric grapes. I want to be I want to be really quickly clear that I was not making it a criticism. I was just saying it was surprising. Oh yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I I uh, I didn't find it surprising because like when I think of like all these other movies, like I don't want to spend an hour only. I don't want to spend an hour on Earth only to spend thirty minutes in a strange world. Like I I when I go to a movie like this, I want more more magical than real. Mm -hmm. Actually, that's like yeah, that's, that's perfect. Um, it is worth noting. I think that this might be Disney Animation's shortest film in a in a Mm -hmm. um coming in at an hour and 42 yeah um i'm not 100 i don't have the numbers in front of me and i don't need to look them up um but i do think that like th there's an amount of just trimmed fat here yeah and i do think it's helping the film more than it's hurting it there's not necessarily things where i feel like oh i need more time or i need this expanded on blah 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 i just needed different kinds of moments to happen inside of the story they were already telling yeah yeah, yeah. i yeah. ben do you have anything to add before we move on to anything or before uh no not really. What? Nothing. No, we were just making a, we were just making a joke about your your sleepiness. No, I really don't have anything to add on that whole on that whole bit. Um, That's I didn't fine. think you don't have to. If you have nothing, you don't have to yeah. say anything. Nah, I got nothing. Uh, uh, I, I want to talk about something real quick. Um, yeah. So, uh, part of the thing of like. Part of, part of I think the surprise comes from thing two plot two plot points that I think are kind of messy in the movie uh, specifically and I and I if you guys disagree that's fine um, I I think I think the reveal of the of the like grape thing the electric grape thing being one organism is very sloppily handled when being like as we know it's a one it's one organism okay uh, the other thing is I think the president's weird for me weird turn that all of a sudden she's evil for a minute doesn't work for me all of a sudden she's just like yeah you're wrong we're going to kill all these creatures and we're going to do this thing there is nothing in this character that has shown me that she would make that turn up until this point and she does it so briefly that it almost seems like she just hiccuped into the into a different person for just uh, a minute you know what i completely forgot about that turn if it what i'm you're absolutely right that's actually one of my major problems with this movie is the president it's just I, weird I, because, like, I, then it, then it's like immediately resolved. I personally disagree. I don't find it villainous. I think they are they are nine point nine tenths of the way to, to complete their journey, and she's one of those people where like, I'm not I'm not a scientist. You, you are. So like, if you if you like, I'm gonna do the things my way. You do things your way. Like I I just found her. She was determined to to win, and like at the final breaths. Uh, uh, I do. I do feel strongly about this to kind of push back a little bit. Okay. Um, I, the thing about the thing about what you said is like she she acknowledges she is not a scientist. She is bringing Searcher along because he is the expert here, mm -hmm. and she always she never portrays an error that she is ever willing to go against what Searcher is trying to do. And Searcher, she's been trusting Searcher all the way up until this point. She brought him in there, and we get so little character work with her. Um, that I think probably could have been fixed by, by introducing her before we, not in the flashback, but like introducing her status quo as the president in the, in the real world for a minute to, to all of a sudden kind of making this turn to, into this desperate villain, uh, antagonist force was just, 
just honestly, not necessarily a horrible way to go. I understand why they did it. It's just for me sloppy. I'll tell you what, I will agree about the characterization, how uh, there isn't much depth to there. I don't have a problem with, with the villain turn just because like, I think she's someone who would like do anything to finish the mission. But I will agree that there's not enough set up to make to 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 fully embrace that so i'll, I'll agree with that sure yeah. it's also it's also to me like that it wasn't handled in a way where i felt like i didn't feel like she would be suddenly become villainous or anything i felt like she responded and i think a more i agree about the character point i just want to get that out of the way i agree about the characterization i could have used more of it with her but maybe i'm giving the movie too much credit but I think that's a very baked in human response for something. We are given enough information earlier on to know that this society now basically thrives off of this plant and they no longer know what they can do if they don't have it um, to the point where they panic and mention it on the radio and say, you better wake up farmers, get that, get that electricity going. Cause otherwise we're going back to horse and buggy and I'm never doing that again because apparently that was the worst thing in the world. Um, and I think that that idea of what Searcher is saying about how they live is so bomba bombastic and world-breaking that to react in fear, because in tandem with that idea of, by the way, whole world, back of a giant animal. He does. He um, is very extreme about how he presents it. And, yeah. and then saying, like, we have to destroy our one source of energy. We have to just get rid of it. I think the impulsive decision when you've been locked in admission and say, no, obviously the enemies are the monsters that have actively attacked us. Mm -hmm. uh, for that to be her immediate response, I don't think is wrong. Um, I think it feels like a very human thing. And it, it also comes down to like, once they get her to a place where she can see the heart itself as the heart that she's like, I get it. Yeah. Like it's not even said like she's, she sees it and she understands that. Okay. Okay, so we are we, like like this is the alternative of us saving our energy sources. We will ultimately all die. Um, got it. But she locks the whole family in in a broom cupboard. What else are you going to do with them? If Talk you know to them. Going to, if you know that they're going to try and like steer the ship away from the mission that you are trying to complete, you got to put them somewhere. There's like nothing. There is nothing in the movie that suggests to me that she wouldn't immediately talk to them first. I. I hear you. I do hear you. I just think they're in a high stakes situation. I think that is a very in crisis mode human response that I think is logical. I, I, I agree that we could have had more character moment to give the inklings of that's how she would respond in a crisis. But I, I do think it is a crisis response that makes sense. It, maybe if there was another crisis that introduced that aspect in the I'm movie, I would, I would, I would feel happy about that, but there's it's sloppy. It's just, in, in my opinion, it's just sloppy. Yeah, that's fine. What, what was what was the other one? Oh, the 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 this is the the whole thing is the back of a giant organism. No, not the back of a giant organism. The uh, the plant that we know as many plants is actually just one giant plant in the center of the earth. We're gonna go. Oh, say that. I. Hmm. Do they? I just assume they sent. No. Yeah, I guess I. They don't... say they say we uh, we already sent a research team because they've been studying the plants. Yeah. So they'd already tracked the roots all the way to this hole. Okay. Yeah, they yeah. brought searcher in because they right, got to this point. Yeah. Okay. So um, I yeah. 
but like that's how they explain it. Is that layer like you know we've we've learned already that it's all connected into Maybe this system. They have like a like when she's explaining that we show the scene of the researchers going there to like for the better help the audience understand that. I, I don't think there's a fix for that one. I don't think there's actually anything inherently wrong with expo with that sort of exposition. Again, it's just kind of one of those things where we look at the script or it feels like it's just a sloppy moment of the script. We have to get this information to the audience some way, so let's do it this way. I don't know if there's a better way to do it. It just, well, for me, felt sloppy. Well, it's also like when you think about it, like their information is wrong. They assume it is a one organism, right? Mm -hmm. It isn't. It, it is a bunch of branches that are just leading to go strangle the heart. Like it's just an invasive virus of some kind that is looking to kill the creature. Mm -hmm. uh, and it has gone from where they've planted it to dig in and connect and go all the way for the heart uh, rather than actually being like, like they're technically wrong. Um, so, yeah. I didn't think I care about to say, but more that there's nothing I care to say about more for that. I, I, it, honestly, I was I was really enjoying the movie. Once we got to the third act, and it turned into this is a living creature, uh, and it's an immune system, and and these are blood vessels, and these this is uh, 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 white blood cells uh, attacking to like stop a virus. Like I I the negatives of the movie became lesser to me because I was really enjoying what was happening, especially that final act of like the thousands of, of squiggy monsters uh, going after Ethan and the blood pterodactyls. Uh, I just thought it was really, really cool. And it's like, it's when Disney, when this is a $180 million movie and it, like, it looks incredible. And I love, I love that final act. I just, I wish getting there, uh, uh, some of the words there, I wish they didn't say I got this four times in this movie, guys, let me tell you. <laughs> I wish, honestly, my biggest, my biggest, uh, roll my eyes is that every time when the president says we came here to save Pando, I feel like she says that five billion times. And I was like, shut up. We know, we know. Ben, ben can you bring up Mag's latest comment, please? Oh yeah. Yes, I can. Any favorite creatures or designs? I said 100% the deer bodied thing that pops <laughs> a fan out of its head. Oh yeah. That's cool. I, I, I do think Splat is a lot of fun. Uh, if it, uh, There's this scene where Splat is leading uh, uh, Ethan's character to his death. Yeah. Um, and when he, when he's like, when he like helps, uh, when Ethan helps Splat, uh, Splat's like, oh, wait, wait, no, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't kill him, don't kill him. My favorite part of this movie is actually when the, the evil monster eats like the the helicopter the gyro the like the helicopter thing and then has the little like helicopter hat and he just stops the guy from slap from touching it uh, that was very funny i i i think those are probably my favorite or the 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 rocks that turn into the tentacles as far as my favorite it's a little it's a little light uh little things that like create like uh like, like uh help fix the heart at the end there's something else in the that, they like regrow the, what they like, regrow what he burns. Yeah, yeah. I thought those were very pretty. I really like those little those little creatures. I think they're very cute and very pretty. And like, and I, they come oh. off like giant brontosaurus looking trees. Yeah, monsters. yeah, it's awesome. The really cool. little dudes in the in the burning sea. Those little green dudes that help. That those are cute guides. That, those those were adorable. I was like, man, oh, that's yeah, the, yeah, the acid sea. I've I, I've watched I've read and watched so much fantasy shit. And I don't know how many times I've ever seen an acid ocean before. Like that's mm. such a cool idea. I love that idea. So, when did you? It makes sense because it's his stomach and like, yeah. oh, it's his body. I love it. Did you guys? Did you guys figure out that it was they were inside an organism early on, or did the reveal tell you? 
No, I surprisingly, I'm usually good about this shit. No, I thought it was going to be Journey to the Center of the Earth. Like, I, 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 yeah, I started to assume when they had the bit where Ethan is talking with Splat and he's looking up at the trees and they're all breathing in and breathing out. Yeah, and, and then I thought back to when he, um, when Searcher referred to the plants as uh, the pando as a heartbeat. Um, and oh, I was like, okay, makes sense. This is probably at least all connected in one way, if not uh, a living organism. Mm-hmm. I I want to. I, I haven't really talked about it myself, but like Ryan Ryan's talked about it a lot. Like, I want to agree. Like, I think the twist in this movie is insane in a really good way. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that they just all that at the end of the movie, towards the end of the movie, they reveal they are actually on the back of a giant turtle. They you know what this is? This is a Doctor Who episode. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's 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 really cool that they that they went that direction and it's honestly the most interesting creative choice that they make in the movie. Uh because if they if they don't have that, it's still a pretty good movie. So, yeah. But the fact that they did that was like it, again, insane in a good way. I don't often see such a such a major twist like that. Um uh in, in this and when they zoom out at the end to just see that you know, I'm sure maybe there's others behind the earth, but like that it's this lone creature in the sea in the, the orb of, of ocean yeah. is, is really cool. I thought that was awesome. Uh, to, to your point as their best creative decision, I think it is in the case of how it makes every other creative decision, especially in terms of like how the world is or the creatures and what they do, it all makes it great because what what looks like randomness yes mm-hmm. all becomes cohesive clear nods to specific things elements of the internal workings of an organism and i think that's where the genius of it lies is that on the surface like when we first saw the trailers none of us suspected no. that that's what this was it all just looks like weird dr seuss crap um yeah and you get to it and they've they've now made it so like you can one-to-one anything in the movie and be like it's kind of an adaptation of this or that as ryan was saying with white blood cells with the blood vessels with all that kind of stuff yeah the more i i well obviously when i was watching this movie the more i was seeing the creatures the more i was seeing all the organisms i was noticed because i knew it like for the trailers like we saw these fantastical creature designs and I'm, the more I'm watching this, it's like they don't have eyes, mouths. They don't have really anything. They look more like cells. They look more like body parts or in, in, or no, internal cell organs. Has, cell has a mouth. Cell has a mouth. Yeah. Well, you know, he's got like, two. Uh, he's got two mouths. And not that cell, it. damn it. <laughs> not that cell. Um, but yeah, the more I watch it, and then of course when they go outside and they see the eye, I'm like, oh, it's, this makes much more sense. Oh, I love that. Oh my god, I love that shot so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, that. Um, I, I really do like that shot. Uh, I have two more notes. Oh, actually three. I'll agree with Sparks earlier. She, uh, earlier, you said um, like that the that the mom comes down with uh, with them. Excellent scene, honestly. Really great introduction to that character for the mission specifically. Um, I- I think we get a lot of good stuff with her. What I what I found myself like really thinking about that I really enjoyed was how new this world their their concept of world is, like all this technology that they have. Like it's 25 years yeah. that they've developed all this. And so the concept of flying is new. And 
that that she's taken to it that it's something that she loves so much and then she has that bit where she says if that one thing can protect the other two uh then that's that's yeah. what i'm gonna do and i i i think they gave her a really good presence in the movie without like sidelining her into too much as, as weak as the script can be like i think she has a good presence without becoming generic mom yeah uh sure. let's talk about the performances real quick uh dennis quaid and lucy Liu are both doing incredible work and work that i've never heard them do before i didn't know lucy Liu could sound like that yeah. i've never seen anything she's ever done where she doesn't have kind of a beautiful like sweet voice and she's like really raspy and i'm like Bro, she's a voice actor. Like, Lucy, look, you're killing it. Dennis Quaid, soup, he turned into Harrison Ford. You said it. He turns into Harrison Ford in this movie. I'm like, damn, like, you're really good, Dennis Quaid. He's, Dennis Quaid's clearly not phoning it in. Yeah. And he's acting, and Lucy Liu, to her credit, like, is acting. I think the rest of the voice cast is very good, but I think those two prominently stood out to me as, like, they're delivering some real performances. Doing something these, are some, these are some real performances from them. They put work into these, and I can hear it. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and I really appreciated it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. On that note, uh, Alan Tudyk has three voices in this movie. Of course he does. <laughs> uh, and that was very fun because they happen in kind of succession. Uh, yeah. He's the guy who announces the, his, who narrates the flashback. He's the narrator. He's the uh, radio host. Yes. And the and the first pilot who's killed. First pilot, yeah. Who gets killed? Uh, yes. Yeah, who gets killed. Um, Good for him. Get that, get that check. Get your Disney paycheck. Mm -hmm. um, I... Yeah, I, I really like that. I, I like that. I don't want the movie to have explored this idea too far. But I do, what I do like about this movie for like being family entertainment kind of thing, a Disney film, what I do think it's doing very, very well is like it's it's also telling an idea of like we we talked we kind of referenced it earlier with um, white noise uh, that it is doing this idea of kind of challenging like, OK, to to make it so that your everyone's lives can keep going forward like like save your world how much are you willing to give up of what you consider a luxury mm -hmm. or a comfort how much are you willing to change things? like this is very much like you know an environmental challenge right like it, it can one-to-one -one to climate change of like how much how much of the luxuries you have are you willing to sacrifice when it, when the world is on the line kind yeah. of thing which again like is why I was already thinking about that as the film was unfolding its story about what what the the danger of losing Pando could mean to them. So when fossil fuel, so when Callisto's turn on them came, I was already in the mindset of thinking about that. So that's what I plant to her as well mm -hmm. is this idea of in in a knee jerk reaction, not willing to part with it, um, too addicted to it, would not. Mm -hmm. My last note on this, and I think I'm pretty much done after that. Um, I re there's a scene that I actually really like. It's the same when the um, when the monsters, when the like the bad monsters are are attacking the ship, and they're throwing the pando balls, and uh, Searcher can't throw, um, and uh, they use uh, uh, K Cade, right? Cade, Jaeger, Jaeger. Jaeger Not, Cade? Jaeger, Jaeger Cade. is from another movie, but his name is Jaeger. Jaeger. <laughs> Jaeger Cade. It's Jaeger, I thought it was Cade Jaeger. Wait, it's Jaeger Cade. Clade. Their Clade. last names are the Clades. We're the Clades. Okay. Um, I really like that they use that as like a teachable moment and a, kind of like a bonding moment. It's a very sweet father-son scene. Um, I, Cade I, Jaeger is Marky Mark in Transformers. <laughs> you're right. Um, uh, I, I hate that you reminded me about that. I hate that, that I know that. <laughs> um, I really... 
I really like that scene. Also, I like the scene where they're playing. Uh, uh, what's the Catan? Uh, um, uh, outpost, prim, prim, primal, primal outpost. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's a sweet scene, but I do really like the scene with they're throwing the panda at the monsters. Not only do I think the primal outpost is a good scene, but I also think that it, you know it's telling you right there again, like kind of on the nose, but I think it's fine for a Disney film where Ethan again should be our our primary character uh, is saying there are no bad guys. There, yeah. there, there is no bad guy to this game. It's I should about have living harmoniously with your environment. That's when I should have known. Right um, there, yeah. Like you kill this monster and you lose because this other thing shows up and like they're not they're not necessarily your enemy just because they look scary. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I thought that that was well interwoven as to like cue you into what the theme of what the film was trying to do was. I think despite the script, I think there are a lot of really like wholesome great family moments. Uh, like the beginning of the movie with them like cooking food and dancing together. Mm -hmm. I think it's really cute and fun. Uh, I, the dog, maybe one of the best dogs in a movie. So he really, trusts a dog. We talked about it. <laughs> I'm really happy with the dog because the dog is just a dog. The dog isn't particularly good at anything. The dog doesn't like save the day by smelling out something or some bullshit. Dog literally acts like if you put my dog on the ship and lets a dumb thing get on its face and puts everything in its mouth and isn't very constructive in a crisis and <laughs> constantly puts itself at a point where it's going to put itself in danger. Almost dies. I I I found I found I think one or two moments to be really funny in this movie. One of them was when they're all locked in the broom cupboard and Splat goes out to unlock the door and then goes back in and everyone's like, "What?" That's probably my favorite. That's probably the funniest moment I think in this movie. And then the yeah. door opens and they're just like, "What?" <laughs> that was really good. All right, anything else? Uh, yes. Um, the moment on the ship, um, when she's staring uncomfortably at her son she's like i'm your mom i'm allowed to do that it's just i it's nice seeing you in your element you becoming the person you're supposed to be i think that's a really really great, great moment mm -hmm. um yeah i think there's a lot of really really great moments i like i think you just needed one more pass on that script and like this this movie would have been like i think really special because i think in parts it already is it's just like sometimes what they say is a little generic i think they do a really good job with splat as well i wanted to highlight that i'm really appreciative that they don't do a lot of like lassieing with splat where they're explaining what they are interpreting from splat um and what it means is that sometimes you don't know what splat is saying like sometimes you'll get the intent ultimately but some of splat's gestures might go over your head and you it might not be clear to you and i think that's okay yeah and like i'm just glad that both splat and legend were never used for the purposes of kind of trying to to sell merchandise necessarily directly or to um, uh, give you the comedic relief or felt like they were just forced in. They felt like natural little pieces of the story that didn't necessarily like take away from the elements they were just supposed to be. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Also, uh, just, you know, like an interesting choice, but I think a, a welcome one, like able ableism and, and disability representation is nice to see, even if it's still through a dog, three-legged dog. Three-legged dogs deserve love. Um it's just it's I'm surprised they did it, but it's it's nice. It's a nice thing. Yeah. Um it's a three-legged dog and everybody just and again, that dog and, and that dog has love and that dog yeah. lives a perfectly fine life. And it's not like the dog's suffering or he needs help all the time to like make you feel bad no. for it. It's just like, no, that dog's just living his life, bro. Notably, just... notably one of the times they do a delivery, and it's a small thing, it's a bit character, it's a side piece, but like they didn't have to do it. They still thought about it, is that they show someone in a wheelchair. Um that is uh, using the pando mm -hmm. to help it, and like 
these are things they considered and so you know it's just nice that more and more of that gets to show up because like a lot of people don't get to see themselves even in small moments or small ways acknowledged like that i found i figured out through the discussion of the dog what my what the first scene was that i I really liked that i really laughed out loud at Mm -hmm. it's when the dog is looking at the table and uh, ethan's having a conversation with her with parents and so every time it cuts to ethan and the dog's point of view more of the breakfast is gone and the dog has more of it on his face yeah that's a good gag good gag um and i and i can't uh i i you kind of touch on it um i i can't leave this without talking about how much I absolutely loved every time they went into a different art style, the different pulpy looks, the comic looks, um, all the different things that they did for, for different moments and different style choices and the, the closing credits as well. Like uh, all of it really, really beautiful, really, really nice to have. Um, I'm glad they made those stylistic shifts where they did. Shall I write? Yes. Ben, why don't you go first? Um, I was giving it a seven. Mm-hmm. Still so pretty good even though a lot of the event the ending saves it like the ending twist where it's a big giant animal big they're living on the back of this giant turtle in a world of water that saves it mm-hmm. other than that it's still a very generic movie i mean beautifully animated the creatures are absolutely stunning and it looks good but like ryan like you said another script could have done another round or so mm-hmm. or the script could have done a different round and we could probably would have that score would have jumped so seven, yeah. Special right? Now, how about you go? I'm kind of teetering between a six point five and a seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I like it. I think it's a pretty good movie. It's missing. It's missing something to get me to really like it, and it's noticeably missing it. It's not like a. It's not like a. a oh, you know, maybe maybe there's the. It's like no, there is there is something missing here. That's just mm-hmm. like. It's not jiving with me a hundred percent like I wish it would. Yeah. But that said, I think the performances are good. We talked about it. We talked about the things I like. You know, I think there's some good laugh out loud funny moments. I like I like the reveal a lot. Um yeah, seven. I'll say seven. Yeah, I I the, very much this whole movie, I was like, yeah, this is a pretty good seven point five. Yeah, it's pretty this is a pretty decent movie. Uh once we got to the third act, this is also again a movie very much catered to me. Like I was I I like these types of movies, so like I want them. I I want them to be better than they maybe even are. Uh, but I think there's a lot here. So once we got to that third act, uh, uh, the seven point five became an eight. So mine's an eight. Sparks. I wish that the arc between Searcher and his father had been handled a bit better. But I I I do really like that they have the line exchange where he, you know, kind of sarcastically says because i'm a horrible father and he comes back with yes but you didn't have to be oh it's so Um, good oh my god it's so rough there are things about that arc that i think could have fed into that moment better but the fact that it's there i think is really nice uh i'm endeared to uh the performances and the ambition so i'm gonna say for me it's an eight uh i i admire more of the swings they took even where they might have whiffed and not quite gotten it perfect. Mm-hmm. All right, shall we go into our book club? It's time to go to sleep. Sparks. Take it uh, so what we're doing today is uh, Little Nemo, um, written and illustrated by Frank Pei. Uh, and I... Uh, this is a 2001 tribute 
to the original Little Nemo uh, comics that were in the New York uh, Herald in 1905. Um, Damn, it's a long time ago. Yeah, by by Windsor McKay. And uh, if you want an idea, just to make a note for the audience, but for you guys as well, the classic comics, they look like that first page you read. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you kind of figured that out. Uh, but that that art style, how it's framed and all that, that is what the classic comics look like. Um, some in color, some in black and white. Uh, the earlier ones, black and white. And then I love that Nemo steps off the bed and steps into this new this new art style that Frank Pay has brought for him. Um, and I think it's really cool. Uh, uh, I, as a like summation kind of tribute to a paper comic strip i think this is very lovely mm-hmm. um it's telling a mildly cohesive narrative of where we pick up in dreams while still being kind of like its own just little bursts of moments mm-hmm. um and i think that's that's pretty good in keeping in tone with what windsor did with the original series to an extent um the narrative for little nemo in the original got bigger and bigger and grander and continuous as it went but it still remained in this idea of Nemo is constantly going back into his dreams mm-hmm. um, and picking up uh, with some things he left off with or sometimes starting a new adventure entirely. And uh, I think the art is really, really pretty. Um, I think it's a beautiful interpretation, uh, more modern interpretation. Oh, I love of, that one. Yeah, of what one. Windsor McKay did. I think anytime it does something like this, where it's just being very creative with the paneling, where it did the piece with the tiger oh, yeah. that's broken love up into it. different pieces and you track them, through their dialogue in different panels, but the overall picture stays the same, even though they are moving around the tiger. I think there's just some brilliant art choices on display here that shows just a lot of love for the work itself. And the interpretation that it's also kind of a send up to whatever amount of inspiration that Windsor McKay clearly had for Frank Pay, uh, because he interprets Nemo as a part of Windsor McKay. And so, you know, we're seeing Windsor McKay represented in the art as well as this older version of Nemo or the separate version of him. Even there's some like, like, it's like Lil Windsor or Lil, like whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This way that they are in some ways connected to each other, um, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Uh, I want to hear what you guys thought about though. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. It's like, it is, it's not as easy to talk about as like a, like a narrative comic like we normally read because it is like a bunch of comic strips with a loose story. But Mm -hmm. like, this was, this was really delightful. Like every page was beautiful uh again like there are some continuations uh of like you'd read like a couple a couple shorts about like oh you got to go meet the princess and oh we got to go do this thing and uh every page is is beautiful and like i just love that it's it always ends with nemo waking up and explaining why he had that's why the dream was the way it was it's like oh we're, oh like he has a he has a bunch of zoo animals that are different like oh it's because he's going to the zoo the next day or a bunch of animals are staying on top of him because he's really cold it's because he's cold when he's sleeping um so like like it's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful book um again i don't know i don't know it's kind of hard to talk about uh besides just talk about the art um yeah this was really lovely so i really um i really like the story of gertie the dinosaur i mentioned it a bit before um i wrote a, i wrote a piece on it when when disney bought fox um i framed it through gertie the dinosaur gertie the dinosaur is real is the first ever animated feature feature it's a short thing and it's it was designed for vaudeville yes uh sparks is showing the page uh it's designed for vaudeville it's on youtube it's really cool it's the, just this animated short where windsor mckay is talking to the animated gertie the dinosaur and he's interacting with it's being lifted up uh uh, uh talking to it uh, interacting with it it's very cool crazy 
crazily inventive for 1914. Yes. I did not put together that Windsor McKay was the same Windsor McKay who wrote Little Nemo. Until so, here. Until here. So that was really cool for me. I was like, oh, right. That's the, that's the guy. He right. did... He will go. This Windsor McKay will go on to do a, a greater dinosaur. I I like that there are some strips where where it is Windsor struggling with how to with designing Gertie the dinosaur. Yes, um, I thought that was I thought that was really cool. The other thing I I, I like a lot was the um, the imagination on display with dreams. You can basically do anything. Yeah, that's pretty cool. frog. Yeah, that's with dreams. You can basically do anything. And I really like the the like the giant crocodiles, the water elephant, the the blind book readers, um, where you have to be blinded to go into like this land of this kingdom of books. Um, I thought that and was the way, and the, just to just to highlight that, like the way that that's interpreted as like the reason he inter- puts that into his dream narratively is because the sun was shining on his face at the moment. Yeah. Um, and like the way that those things creep into your dreams too and form that narrative. I think it's really, I think it was a lot of, I think there's a lot of good imagination at play from Frank Pay is what basically just trying to say. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely a great tribute to the original comic strips. Um, think when I was in CSUN, I was lucky enough to take a comic book class and we actually got to see some of those older strips from the New York Herald way back from 1905. Um, well, at least copies are in like visuals of them. Sure, sure. Uh, and this definitely harkens back. I mean, this definitely is a good tribute to little, to like those little Nemo comics. Every single strip, every single piece I was reading was fantastical in its own way, shape, or form. And I'm and you're right. It because when I was looking, when I was reading, when I first started reading this, I was like, oh, and are we going to get like a a continuation or some form of like, oh, here's like a beginning, middle, and end? And it wasn't. It was just like I would open up the paper um, like Tuesday na- Tuesday morning here's my morning paper, and then, oh, here's the, the latest Little Nemo comic that was printed the night before. Um, it was definitely it was definitely different, and I would, I'm, I'm glad I, I'm glad I read it, and also I, I do love how as the, as we continue to read it, you see the correlations bet- between, um, uh, what's his name, Walter McKay, or? Windsor. Windsor. Well, Windsor. To from uh, Windsor and Nemo, and as it keeps going, you, you see how Windsor eventually would possibly create it. Like the, I love the last one, the very last one where he wakes up, he's talking to his mom, and his mom says, "You have to get out of your dreams and join the real world." And he sees the pencil, yeah, and that's when he starts drawing Slumberland, and like, love and it's like his mom is all like, "Oh, you can't live in the dream world," but it's like if he eventually does, he creates Slumberland, he creates this fantastic comic book. Or this fantastic comic strip. Yeah. So um, I, I actually really like the page just before that too, where he it's wordless and he's being handed the notepad and he wakes up in the dream on the like with his hand on the mattress instead in place of the pad and how that correlates to what he's going to to create. Mm-hmm. And I I would say this is this is definitely a very good tribute to a i would say a major history of comics even though we don't when we talk about comics we talk about you know dc marvel the big two but comics started in comic strips and we don't necessarily talk about that a whole lot right and it was and with and little nemo arguably is one of the very first ones to be as popular as it was 
That's a good um, point. You know, when it comes to these kind of comic, these old comic strips, like this is a whole, this is over a hundred years old at this point. 1905. Yeah. Um, a lot of it gets lost to history and that's kind of too bad. And it's really cool that there is something like Little Nimoy that has its place in pop culture. Even if people don't know the comic strip it came from, they are either familiar with Little Nemo and Slumberland or they saw the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade float about the new Slumberland movie on Netflix. That was weird. Um, but like, there is a there is a correlation where people are familiar with Slumberland. It has it has withstood the test of time, even if people may not recall the original comic strips. Yeah, I remember when I was in when I was in that class. Brandon, you took the class right after I did, um, and we were talking about Little Nemo and Slumberland. And the second I heard Little Nemo, I'm like, "Wait a minute, that was an animated VHS tape I've had since the '90s. What do you, this thing has been around since ni- Little Nemo as a character has been around since 1900 what?" Yeah, yeah, I I think that this was especially like I hadn't read this before, but I think that this was the right way for us to go about this because like I wanted us to be able to explore Little Nemo comics, but I'm like, uh, I don't think that it's fair for us to uh, all read and try and uh, wring a lot of our discussion out of something that old. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, it has its place, but maybe not not in uh, a review format like this. But I think this was a really nice way to get like the tastes of Little Nemo and discuss it and, and how we like the imagination here, like you said. Um, there's some just really wonderful bits, like the, the bending of the truth bit. Which oh, I Flip, love that. I think is really good. Yeah, uh, flip. So like bends the tea. Now that I've now that I've read this and I've seen the movie, like I absolutely see the the. Uh, it's not one to one, but it is. There is enough there, where it's like, yeah, I see that. That's flip. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like he like uh, this one is very much more of like a clown with a big old belly, where it's like he's a little more mischievous. He's got just <clears> a small <throat> belly, but he's still like a big boy kind of at heart. Um, yeah. and, he, and like he just wants to have fun. And I'm like, yeah, the through line of of the spirit is is in that movie. Interestingly, like the I think one of the interesting things about this tribute is that you stay out of Slumberland almost the entire time. Again, Slumberland being the kingdom that you see in that very first page with the king, the princess, and Flip is constantly referencing the princess's party. But Flip is mischievous. He <laughs> is uh. Uh, a mess you even get a taste of it briefly in that first page um when he uh comes crashing down to the ground just before nemo wakes uh wakes from the bed and goes to, into what is frank pay's rest of the story isn't there like a, a one where he's like where he's like smoking and like smoking's bad you know like yeah whatever i don't care yeah uh <laughs> well, he's like he tra- he's he's fake smoking he becomes paper and so that's where all the that's right all, yeah, that's where the whole page becomes like paper I only smoke the idea of cigars now. It really is much healthier. There you go. Um, and then he says, ideas are all we need, my friend. And then uh, as he's saying that the world around them is folding up like paper onto them. And he's saying, we're just like ideas printed on paper, Nemo, nothing more. And he's like at peace receding into it. <laughs> um, it's I, like a I think, very horrible scene from Paper Mario. <laughs> yeah. I think I think all those ideas are, are, are executed very well. Uh, as Brandon mentioned, the, the Gertie bit earlier, you get your, your walking bed bit at one point. Um, so all the like hallmarks of, of classically little Nemo stuff is I think very lovingly recrafted in this more modern interpretation. And it is, it is like, it, it's like stunning. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the, the art is really beautiful. Like I don't, I, it, I don't, is it watercolors I'm guessing? Cause like it's pointed I can't like think it. for sure, but it sure at certain like times it. it reminds me of like Dustin Wynn. Like on certain pages, I'm also reading it on like a like a 50 inch TV, so like maybe it just looks different on a big ass TV. But uh, I definitely, yeah, that looks like that looks a little painterly to me. Yeah, uh, but like yeah, I even though it wasn't, you know, it was kind of just like you know little like one off stories at times. Like I always enjoyed looking at it. Like and again, the always it always returns to Nima waking up 
and this is this is a why he's having the dream is just really fun. Uh, uh, love it. Yeah. Um, well, I'm really glad you guys enjoyed it. I do want to talk about one last thing. I, I, it's not, it wasn't required. Did you guys happen to read the last page of, of just text that was after? Okay, cool. No. I just want to talk about it for just a moment because I thought it was very, very cool. It's called Relics of Slumberland. It's just one page. It's uh, by Stanford W. Carpenter, who is chairman of the Black and Brown Comics Art Festival. Um, and what he was writing about at the time is that this is the Americanized edition of this tribute. In the French version, um, Frank Pay had brought back a character um, who is called Impy. And Impy was a offensive uh, black caricature character from the original Little Nemo comics. And um, what Carpenter is talking about here is the decision to not include him in the Americanized version. And I thought it was cool because what he says, I, I particularly like this part. Um, when Frank Pay included Impey in the original French edition of this book, it was without malice and with the sole intention of recognizing the complete Little Nemo universe accurately. Yet, while it may be easy to dismiss Impey as a relic of a bygone era, a small part of a larger story embedded in an artifact of yellow newsprint and dried ink, the reality is that artifacts move through space and time. Artifacts preserve even as they are preserved. They inspire the creation of new things and new artifacts, and the cycle begins anew. So what he's kind of talking about there right is the notion of we can have those things and and say where they're a test of our time but when we are coming back to revisit a work when we are bringing back those elements we are we are reigniting that inspiration again we are reigniting rather than leaving it to its time we are reopening that door when we interpret new material and include those elements uh is is unlocking that and saying someone else can take this and take this in a way where it, it is creating that audience again that will that will look on this unfavorably uh, in a, in a sense of like adapting it to their idea of believing in stereotypes and bad characterizations of black people in this case uh, rather wanna, than just leaving it where it belongs. Yeah, there's there's a also something I want to read from this that I that 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 I that I really liked. It was so when I, an African American man, look at MP, when I feel that itchy discomfort, that seething frustration and rage, I am reminded that as much as I like the ideas of Little Nemo, it was written by someone who is incapable of considering my dreams, and that is powerful shit. That is powerful shit. Um, and he's and and he's right. Um, instead of you know reincorporating MP, you know changing him or whatever, like some maybe some things you just don't you don't have to touch. Some, like just leave it leave it in the past and like because we don't we don't need to remember it. Um, yeah, that is that is a nice little a little one page. And, uh, yeah. And as he notes to his credit, Frank Pay was the one who made the decision to remove MP for the American version because America, the American market is not the same as the French market, and our issues with blacks and and how they're treated in our country are different. And the fact that Frank Pay was conscious enough to think of that, I thought, was just a nice note to make. Uh, one last note about about the Gertie the dinosaurs thing that I'm really appreciative of is like it's it's also nice to just have it seen again here that he is also like it's a tribute to little nemo but it's also a trans tribute to like the influence windsor mckay had um because even the disney company acknowledges how gertie the dinosaur affected like the beginning of mickey mouse um that's why there is a dinosaur in hollywood studios of gertie mm -hmm. so uh i think all that's really lovely if you guys had any thoughts on what i was bringing up there with carpenter i'm happy to indulge in that but you don't have to nope ben yeah if that's all, Sparks. Did you have any more? Sorry. No. Ben, it is your book club next week. Do you know what it is? Not yet. Didn't think so. Okay. That'll do it then, guys. That's that's the episode. 
that's a wrap. Bye. That's <laughs> um, old song. I don't know why. <laughs> been years. Yeah. It has um, been years since we last played that old song. So next week, we alluded to it a little bit in the, uh, up top. We're going to be talking about Avatar. We're going to talk about the 2009 film Avatar. Uh, it came out before we were a podcast. So we wanted to revisit it. So you get it. You get it next week. We were um, we were wee little lads when that movie came out. I haven't yeah. seen it since theaters. Oh, that's I don't think I I don't think I have either. I guess I need I, to be I also, I I guess I I also to... haven't seen it since theaters. Original theatrical run. That's what I meant too. No, I know. I'm just saying I'm being specific because it had many. True. Okay. Uh, the highest grossing film of all time still. Mag, as always, wonderful, wonderful human being as, he, as as they are. Catch you later, gang. Stay safe. You Bye, too, Mag. sir. It did lose that crown. It just got it back. It did. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, guys. Uh, as far as that goes, um, as I said, you know, run it, run it, rounding out the year, but you can still find us in tons of places, such as our, if you like this video and you subscribe to this channel, check out all sorts of shows, such as Fake Nerds Watch, uh, Fake Nerds Watch, Recently wrapped up Star Wars Andor. You will see the latest, the final episode of season one of Star Wars Andor. I was talking about the final two. Uh, up probably by the time you're listening to this, actually. 10 a.m. Um, tomorrow morning if you're watching this live. Um, as well, and we will be doing something Fake Nerds Watchy with Willow. Uh, just depends on what and when. Uh, so stay tuned for that when, that's, real, when that pops up. Real quick, just real quick again. If you if you are, have not watched Andor... I don't expect you to watch the fake news watches, watches. But now that the show is done, give it a chance. For real. It really is one of the best things that's come out this year, but it's also one of the best things Disney's ever put out. So, like, you, you owe it to yourself to watch that TV show. That's Agreed. Agreed. Um, you can also check out Basement Arcade. Basement Arcade is a video game Let's Play series. We put out tons of episodes you can check out on this channel. Basement Arcade Pause Menu, which has a new episode in the link below where ben talks about a geeky video game retro convention yes you're right on all counts you're 100 correct uh you can check out that both audio and video um subscribe to that if you like um you can also check out fake book club and animation station both shows you can find on this channel uh perhaps animation station has a new episode coming soonish who knows we'll see um you can also check out our Patreon and our Public If you'd like to support us uh, financially, you can check out our Patreon and our Public. Both are linked below. Cyber Monday, guys. It's Cyber Monday. By the time you're listening to this or you're watching this on uh, the Rewind, um, hey, it's on sale. Give us some money. Um, cool. You can find the, there's a link below. Or on our website at fignerpodcast.com, which is also on our website, which is also in the link below. Uh, our website has, has a landing page for everything you can find. Check it out. Um, thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who watches the live stream. And thank you to everyone who thank you to everyone who watches the rewind. We greatly appreciate all of your support. We love you guys. Um, thank you to Jeremy Vellucci, good friend of the show. You can check him out at Jeremy Vellucci underscore the wreck of time. He did all the music that you've heard here tonight and all the music here for the shows I mentioned above. And he's got an album out. His new his band, Wreck of Time, has a new album out. Check it out. You can find his podcast at on iTunes or Facebook at Suburban Proctologist Official or Instagram at Subproc Podcast. Uh, you can also check out our good friend Mike Matola. Mike Matola is a wonderful human being who's collaborated with us many times and hopefully many more in the future um, and soon. He's also done a couple logos for us. You can find him at 
Mike Matola on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I don't ever say what he does. For those of you who don't know and listening to this for the first time, he he doesn't do our lo- he does not a logo designer. He writes really cool posters with like words. Check him out. Check out the collaborations he's we've a, done. He's a brilliant artist who also does some stuff for us sometimes. Yeah. As a nice, yeah. as a nice <laughs> he's a brilliant artist who decides to be nice to little old us, to little yeah. old us sometimes. Yeah. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at Fakner Podcast, FakenerGuys at gmail.com. Yeah, I got in touch with us personally. I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. I also write for Screen Rant, Atomic Geekdom, and KaijuRamaMedia.com. Ben? You could find me trying to go be the very best that ever was at BenMaga27 on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. You could also find me writing for Old School Gamer Magazine, Fusion Gaming Magazine, and GoNintendo.com. Like we said earlier, my brand uh, issue 37 has my article up where I critique Cult of the Lamb. Is it going to be on my top 10 this year? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be on there. It was a great game. I had an absolute blast playing it. An eight out, an eight out of ten game is gonna be in your top ten. It was that fun, yes. He doesn't play okay. that many games. I guess not. Sparks. Uh I can be found just uh chatting and all up about how Ben is never gonna catch them all at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter. S P A R K Z Witty. It's a challenge. And Ryan. Hey y'all, you could just find me aching for more pulpy adventures at DJ Tony Snark 616. I thought you were about to say aching for a bacon. No, I already got bacon this week. Kevin Bacon. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podcast, and Pandora. Write and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Like this video. Subscribe to this channel. Until next time you see us, guys. Stay fake nerds. <laughs>